It's the Seth Williams Show with Mike Kosoka. And here's your host, Seth Williams and Mike Kosoka. Welcome to another Monday. It's not just another Monday, it's Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. You look much better today. Thanks. Much better. (laughs) Feel better. You look it. Um, It is Halloween night, and it's Browns game day. That's why I'm wearing a mask. So I have a feeling that, (laughs) knock, knock, uh, it's going to be one of those nights, because you know, people are tailgating tonight. People are having a good time. Right. And, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Trigger treating with the kids. Of course, I thought of something, too. And I won't be offended. I haven't said this on any other show. Yeah. yeah. But since we're up on just about every place you can find a podcast, those of you listening to us right now, if you decide to turn us off and turn us back on like at 1130, quarter to 12, to guarantee that the Browns game has a happy ending, I would understand. Yeah, well, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, I'm slightly uh, concerned about this evening's uh, football game. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of weird to even talk about a Browns game that's upcoming tonight because most of the people that actually watch and listen to the show, it's going to happen after the fact. And so I, I really truly believe that the Browns are going to lose, but it doesn't really matter. Well, really, this is what... Because they suck. I mean, let's what's be really sad is to talk about a Browns game after the season the Guardians just had and the season that the Cavaliers seem to be off and running towards. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest. I've never been a huge basketball fan. Right. Uh, um, LeBron kissed my ass, and I I hated that guy. Right. Good riddance. And, you know, the championship to me meant nothing to this town because that guy brought it here. Um, I don't respect him. I don't respect... uh, Anything about that guy. Um, so that championship in my book doesn't count. I still love the Cavs because they're a Cleveland team, but screw him and whatever. So, But this team has me intrigued. I've actually been watching some of the games. I turned on some of the stuff. They played, what, the, the Knicks last night, was it? Yeah, Knicks? New York. And that was a good game, and I'm, I'm enjoying watching this team. I watched them play the Celtics the other night, and they look good. That Donovan Mitchell guy is fantastic. And the other thing that's kind of ironic, too, is all the years, the last – Eh, seven, eight, or nine of uh, people saying, how are we finally going to rid ourselves of Kevin Love? Boy, oh boy, do they look uninformed and uh, misguided after the season he's going to have this year. Plus, you know, you need a vet. Man, you need on. somebody to, co- you know. I, I like Kevin Love. I'm not trying to talk crap about the team that I like. I do yeah. like the Cavs. But we're talking about Kevin Love who cried like a baby because he's got, you know, mental health issues. You well, know, I'm tired of hearing about it. You get paid $412 million a year, go out there for an hour a day and toss the ball into the hoop. Then you can go off on the side court and cry all you want and be, you know, do whatever you got to do. Mental health is a real issue, so I'm not trying to take anything away from that. I've had my own issues when it comes to it. Um, but I'm not going to cry for guys that make millions upon millions of dollars. Go out there for a couple hours, play the game, and then go cry about your mental health. But he missed games because he was upset. I mean, I didn't miss work. I took a lot of medication, but I still went in. I may have drank myself half to death at times, but I still went to work, and I still got my job done. Go get your job done. 
That being said, I'm rooting for the Cavs this year. Uh, we are getting messages in. Now, we do have some stuff going on tonight I want to okay. get into before we get into all this other stuff. Um, we are live, again, on Facebook, YouTube, now Rumble. Right. And um, the SethWilliamsShow.com. This is new. Yes. Uh, launching the website, uh, com. Make sure you put the in front of it, thesethwilliamsshow.com. You can watch the show live there. You can read up a little bit about us. You can buy some stuff there. We're going to have, um, thanks to Wolf Creek Media, brand new T-shirts made. I think they're very cool. The shirts are going to be on there in the next week or so. Right. So you can get those. Thank you to Wolf Creek Media for that. So that's going to be fantastic. You can order our stickers online, thesethwilliamshow.com. Um, there is a button for that as well. So if you want a free sticker, you can get those. Thanks to Aaron Sign Company. Uh, Jimmy Grenick and those guys at Aaron Sign Company are fantastic as well. Yeah. Uh, but you can order the stickers on the SethWilliamsShow.com. And th- it's kind of cool because you just fill out a form with your name, your info, all your address and all that, and then I get it. And I'll Well, not only that, but the opportunities there for people to suggest topics, show ideas, people that might want to be a guest on the show. And for yes. everybody sitting at home that's smart enough to read between the lines – we wouldn't be putting all this time, effort, energy into redesigning, upgrading, and improving the quality of the product if we weren't getting ready to launch the product on more than one day for two hours. Yeah. And so stay tuned for that. It's coming. And I just got a message from um, Chris Aiken, our web guy who's helping us with everything, and he said that everything seems to be working fine on the SethWilliamsShow.com, so you can check out the show cool. there as well. Uh, but we also have tonight, you can call us. 216-435-5249. And then when it picks up, at 713. We're working on a new phone system. Uh, but the phone lines are brought to you by Charlie's Auto Repair in Lakewood. And we are going to be reading your messages on Facebook, YouTube, and that sort of thing. The Wolf Creek Media message line. See, I'm I'm just like Triven this way. Uh, listen, it's getting there. And the thing is, too, folks, if you want to advertise on the show, hurry up, give us a call. Because, because it's taken off. It's taken it off. is. There's a lot of good things happening, so I'm very excited about that. Now, one of the reasons. We're also on an app, the CMS Network app. Correct. The CMS Network app. So you can take the show wherever you want to go. Just download that in your app store. doesn't matter. Apple, whatever. Uh, Droid. The CMS network app we're putting a lot of time a lot of energy a lot of effort into doing a lot of technical things to make the show as good as the people listening deserve but one thing we haven't had to put any time and effort in because we've been really blessed is really really good guests that we've had sit right here yes and i'm looking forward to tonight's guests tell them who we have tonight well tonight we have a veteran of cleveland broadcasting cleveland book writing cleveland trivia uh, all-around guy that's been around, and, and I can't wait to share stories. Uh, Michael Shesky is here with us tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I've and known Mike for a lot of years. He wrote a book with his wife, Jan, yeah. about uh, Cleveland uh, so, event. I'll let him well, do all the talking books. about it. But, yeah, TV, one of many. Radio, so rock, all kind of stuff. We'll talk to him about all kinds of things. And it's Halloween night, so let's have some questions. fun tonight. Right. The so next call couple, in, talk to Mike, too. Yeah, the next couple of weeks after this are going to be election stuff we're going to get down and dirty with the elections because um you know it's getting close here yeah. to the ruination of our entire country and it's up to you uh, to change everything that's going on right now exactly. i opened up my electric bill for the second time in, in a couple of months here for one month now i'm not joking with you for one month of electricity now i'm home alone during the day i don't have the air on I don't have any lights on other than the TV, the one TV that I watch because I'm by myself during the day. Yeah. 
and we watch everything that we do at night when it comes to electric. And my wife has a whip if I go anywhere near, which I kind of like. But if I go yeah, anywhere near you have to pay extra for that. the thermostat to try to turn it down and turn the air on, I get in trouble. For one month of electric, and this happened twice in a row, $400 for one month. And that's because the energy prices in this country are surging, and it's because of the bad policies that we have in place with this president. No, it's not. It absolutely is. Seth, and don't give me this crap with your little energy companies. No, it's not. You blame everybody else, but what's going on right now? And it's the administration. And it's these politicians that are making bad policy. Policy, policy doesn't drive price. Policy dictates what happens in this country, and that's no, what's going on. Not the economy. Oh, come on. You have a president who literally went out and said the other day, "Well, you know, gas prices are, are falling." They were $5 a gallon when I took office. No, they weren't. They were two fifty when he took office. Okay. You have destroyed this country. You don't even know what day it is. He can't find Seth, his way off the stage. Seth, there are people that have Policy said dictates. that the prices have gone up on energy and oil because we cut back on the pipeline. The pipeline was never designed to produce gas for America. It was to export it. Okay, we're going to get so in. So they had nothing to do with that, but that's coming in the policy. next two weeks. He's destroyed these, these companies when he sits there and says he wants to get rid of fossil fuels. That's what he wants to do. In 20 years. And we're talking about the same guy, this president, oh, by the way, uh, who wants to get rid of fossil fuels and everybody to drive a green car. He was on Jay Leno's show driving a Corvette that is gas power. Yeah. Oh, by the way. So okay. if he's so concerned about the environment, maybe he shouldn't be doing that. He's but it was a suck-up to Republicans to try to get votes. So I know where this president is. No. I'm Really? Yeah, I absolutely. <laughs> We're getting a lot of messages, by the way, on the Wolf Creek Media message line. Okay. Um, let's see. Name the last president that really set economic policy. Somebody says and we need to look at the audience more instead of each other. Well, that's kind of difficult. Not there is no audience. Here. If we look this way, we're staring, staring at a bank at, of white yeah, light. Um, Bear yeah, with us. Yeah. Um, Mario texted in. First call into the show, we'll get a free Mario's Barbershop T-shirt. And uh, just give the guys your info. Bingo. So see, Mario from Mario's Barbershop in Parma offering a free shirt to anybody that calls in right now. And then you can send us your info. Okay. Um, but you're getting a lot of hate right now. Oh, my God. I'm fine with like, that. That's like, what we're yes, here it is to... the president. Um, and by the way, Mario, great guy. From and how Barbershop. come I sat nobody with him the ever other night at, uh, talked about the wonderful economy? We had a great economy when Donald Trump was Trump in office. inherited. No. From who? Uh, the president before uh, yeah, I him. I remember gas prices being as low as they were when he was in office. I got my first raise in... 20 years underneath Donald Trump, not under anybody else. Coincidence. And you want to sit here and say it's coincidence. I knew that you were going to say that because that's what every Democrat says. It's a coincidence. No policy dictates what happens in this country. And what happened in this country when he took office and started making executive order after executive order and changing the way things were done here, things got things better. Things aren't that different. All he's done things is invest in the infrastructure better. that people have been promising they'd address for 80 years. Uh, Biden, Period. That's Biden, it. Biden hasn't done anything. That's it. And All Trump so, did was give a huge tax break to the one percent that raised the deficit. The, the typical response. So, I understand. Okay. I, well, I, it's I mean, true. My life was better underneath Donald Trump, and not so but much. But the president, president has Biden. nothing to do with your life. Okay. Well, I, I'm sorry, but things have changed in People a couple don't of yell years. At their that Biden has been in and office. say that their life is miserable because of their church. The church. He, and why all of a sudden is it the president? Absolutely. It would be if you have bad priests in a church, it definitely right. ruins your Explain church experience. That, ab that. That's absolutely the dumbest thing you could say. How could you say that? If you have bad priests, it does ruin I'm the church. 
It does. But if it doesn't change your priests, life. If you have bad teachers at a school, it ruins the school. If you have people in charge that don't know what they're doing, they it do. ruins things. If you have bad we Thank people you. in charge of That's why he media lost by or seven any other thing, votes. if you have bad people in charge of companies, it ruins the company. You have a bad person and bad people in charge right now, and it's ruining things. No. That's what it's doing. Okay. And people are actually saying, absolutely ready to shut this off. Okay. So it, it is what it is. coming. You can see it. You saw it happen. You saw it happen. So we absolutely need to change. People need to go out and vote like, almost immediately. We do Start need to. I would, voting now. You're 100% right. Put in 1,000 votes if you have to. It's been done before. Do it again. This time, <laughs> do it the opposite way. So that's what we're going to do. We're okay. going to get into that a lot more as the weeks go on. Oh, yeah. Heck and yeah. we're going to have some people Next on to discuss Next week is get out the that. vote, and then the week following, um, we'll do the autopsy. Yeah, we're going to do the autopsy. Yes, indeed. We're going to hopefully scrape up a lot of blue and push it off to the uh-huh. side. <laughs> because I'm looking and forward to something different if happening. If there is a red and wave. You know if there is a blue wave, I hope that you're able to help me take care of my $400 a month electric bill. Because... I'm going to need it, my well, friend. We tried, but we have first energy here. So. And by the way, I would Nobody's, like to inform you that yep. the guy that attacked Mr. Pelosi uh, happens to be an illegal immigrant from Canada. So the policies oh of my open God, so borders. So we got to build a wall all the way across the, the northern borders, border, too? The open borders that you like aren't exactly working Ex- out. Answer my question, then. we got to build a wall from Washington to Maine all if, the way across the Canadian border, I had, too? If I had my way, we'd have a dome over this country. So that way, every seaport, we every do have border, a dome over this country. But right now, sealed. it's a dome of ignorance. And I'd open it up just to have some sunlight come in every now and then. But otherwise, <laughs> there would be a dome. Fair. And if you fly a plane anywhere near us, you have to turn around. That's right. You're not getting dropped off here. You can text in yeah. on the Wolf Creek Media message or line. Call. Or you can call. Because I've said this before. If people don't start calling the show, we're going to just like bring a giant phone book and call people at random. Charlie's Auto Repair phone lines, 216-435-5249, and it hits 713 uh, when the phone picks up. Oh, by the way, the Browns are playing tonight, too. They are playing. There's a lot of tailgating, I'm assuming, going on right now. People getting... I think my father already turned off the show, so... (laughs) Because, again, we're going to have to talk about all this stuff, but this is what I don't like. And we're still friends. We 10 minutes... And that's what we got to get everybody else to do, not just, oh, my God, and start smacking their head against the wall because you don't like what they're hearing. Exactly. But there are people that don't. Definitely, know. They're, they're angry tonight. <laughs> um, and you were worried nobody would listen. But the, the thing is, is that, you know, again, we're going to talk about election and voting, all that kind of stuff coming up. And we have to have a guest. And I'm looking forward to taking off these kind of topics for the night and yeah. enjoying a Halloween evening. But I decided today, and it may sound stupid, but you should have to take a test to vote you should have to know what you're talking about you should have to know the candidates you should have to know the issues before you're allowed to vote because i'm sick and tired of people people that i know that have told me that they're walking in or they're filling out their their little absentee ballots whatever they are they're voting early and they are strictly voting for the letter behind the name i know people that went in and said oh no i voted all democrat and that's well, the problem why, why did you do 90 percent of did the you- people that pull the curtain do the exact same thing. And the problem is you can't, by the time, if you're going to have that kind of quiz where you have to prove that you're not an idiot to do that, you got to go back earlier. We got to start doing that in this country before you have a child. 
then there might be some change. Sandy texted in. She said, she meant the cameras. We got to look at the cameras. Well, I'm not going to stare at the camera all night long because I'm talking to you. Fair enough. As well as I'm talking to everybody to else. them, too. Um, but... Yes, you should but I agree with you. Test you want to be able to like prove get... some competency before you do anything. That should start like uh, before you have offspring, and then so gonna, that they're not like you. I'm going to do something that's heresy in this town, and I apologize in advance. Then I guess we should take a break and bring our guest on. Okay, if, assuming that he hasn't left the building already because <laughs> he's mad at me. But I'm going to say something that is going to tick people off. I believe Bernie Kosar can kiss my ass. That guy, I was a fan of that guy since I was eight years old. When I lived in Miami, I went to Hurricane Games right. when he was playing there. Right. I was a giant fan of that guy. Right. I was a fan of that guy because I moved up here when he came up here and you know, started playing for the Browns. I played catch with Bernie Kozar. He was one of my all-time favorite guys. Okay. I talked to him when I did the Triv Show for numerous years. Spent a lot of time talking to that man. I don't know if he's gotten sacked too many times. Or what it is, but to endorse Tim Ryan, in my opinion, was the worst thing that that guy could have done. And I hope that he can win me back. And, and answer, to call Tim Ryan a moderate and to say that that guy has any kind of compassion for the state is absolutely ridiculous. That it's guy not ridiculous. is not a moderate. He votes a hundred percent with Joe Biden, and then came on and said, "Oh, oh, by the he way, he doesn't I, I vote a hundred percent. I like Donald Donald Trump. He, he has voted a hundred. Look no, it up. Have you looked up the yes, facts? I have. He's voted a hundred percent with Joe Biden, no. and then comes out on TV and says, "Oh, yeah, I agreed with Donald Trump on a lot of issues. No, you didn't. Okay, now You're a scumbag. How about all of the Vance issues, like being a grifter, taking the jobs out of the state?" setting up a trust supposedly to help people with opioid addiction and putting all the money in his pocket. No, that's okay. See, that's the problem. Everybody can just forgive and forget any wrong that their candidates done. Look, I never said anything good about J.D. Vance. I, I, dude, the guy came out. I'm there too. The guy came out at the beginning and said he was a never-Trumper. And he hurt a lot of people's yeah. feelings, and he, he lost They're a lot of face wrong. by doing that. And actually, I met J.D. Vance the other night, and he was actually a very nice man. Very nice, very gracious. When I got to go up, I got to take a picture with him. There you go. You can see it on our Facebook page. Um, very nice man, good guy. You know, from what I could see, he said a lot of great things. And so, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna reluctantly vote for JD Vance, even though he has some faults. But I'm gonna vote for him because I think he's better for this state than a guy that went on camera and says, "Oh, I like Donald Trump," but has voted 100 percent okay. with Tim Ryan. Um, so Billy texted in on the Wolf Creek Media. Message line, can't wait to listen to the show after the election. Oh, just wait. Oh, it's going to be... I hope it's fun. I'm not, oh, it's going to be great. I, I'm not, I, because see, after I'm the not elections here. that we've had, I will never count my chickens because I've well, seen what happens in elections in this country, and so I'm not 100% confident. And that I will repeat what I have said over and over and over. Both sides have to change. Both sides are dead wrong. I and don't here's disagree clue, with you. Here's clue number one. If you picture every election in every county at every level in all 50 states and you read all the stories, oh, a $6 million ad buy, an $8 million ad buy, pouring $20 million into this state, yada, 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 and you add up all that money, that's where the problem is because those donations don't come from $5 out of your pocket and $20 out of mine. That's where we should pay attention because both sides are puppets.
And everybody says, well, wait, you know, define a lobbyist. Everybody says, well, term limits have to be. Well, really? How are you going to send a freshman idiot up to the hill to deal with a 50-year-old or a 50-year experienced lobbyist because who's a shark? Because you can't have people like Nancy Pelosi in there forever and a day when they don't even know what day it is. You should not have this president who can't find his way off the stage. But, yes, we need term limits, no doubt. We need term limits because people no. eventually start taking advantage of this we system. We need them on lobbyists then, too, no, Seth. They need to they take advantage of the system change. because they get involved in it forever. No, This they is take not advantage a lifestyle. This is not a lifetime appointment. You get elected, and then eventually you got to go, and it's time to get some fresh people in there. Otherwise, people start, to take, they start taking advantage of the system, and that's how we get okay. screwed. Then if you really want to change the system— then go in the booth and every incumbent vote for the other party. Uh, Nancy says there needs to be ranked choice elections so people actually have options other than the two parties shoved down our throats. I don't disagree. I don't think this country is ready for that. I don't think that anybody will ever say I'm going to vote for the independent party or the green party, whatever it is. I don't think they're going to do that. I think that because as good as those options may be, people tend to vote with they've known for years look at every 30 second political ad no matter who's running it they are counting on the fact that nobody knows their rear end from a hole in the ground see according because to, there's never any substance in those ads according to and you they cost billions of dollars according to you and that doesn't bother anybody half this country is either stupid no because no you, I'll tell you what. Half you don't this understand me at all. You don't half, understand me at all. Seventy-five percent of this country is stupid because it's thirty-five percent on each side. Half the and country and wanted a, half a change in this country when they voted for Donald Trump, and they they got one, and they got a good one. And you know, so see, this is what you do. You sit there and you laugh, and you're putting down. I hate to tell you, him. the majority of the audience that we have. No, I'm not putting. When you laugh, when I bring up learn. Donald Trump, you absolutely are putting down the people that you know. That are listening. We can do a show on just him later. Because he's three and a half, he's two and a half years in the rearview mirror, and people are still talking about it like he's You're the right. president. You're absolutely right. Okay, when I turn on CNN today, be. they mentioned him three times. Yeah, because he got indicted and sued They again. mentioned him three times today right. on CNN. Because they he went to the Supreme Court day. and said, please don't let him see my tax if returns. If it wasn't for Donald if Trump, was a CNN Democrat, would be everybody would say... Because they Lock would have nothing up. to talk about. So, there you go. But you the go. election talk is going to get a lot more heated as uh, the weeks go on. I guarantee you that. Right. But we're going to try to keep it civil. We're not going to punch each other just yet. No. Uh, but we're going to have some people we're on. punch each other I know. All. That's the point. Going to watch the five, somebody said. Yeah. I mean, I don't. That's what she does. So, bingo. We got a guest we got to bring on. Yeah. He's still here. I can't see behind me. Yes, he's still here. All right. <laughs> That's because we locked the door. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I, again, you can watch us on, well, the SethWilliamsShow.com uh, from now on. Right. As well as Facebook, YouTube, and everything else. But the SethWilliamsShow.com, if you want to check out all kind of stuff on the website, uh, looking forward to that. It's going to get even bigger with T-shirts and everything, thanks to Wolf Creek Media. And, again, you can order the stickers on there as well. So, so what we'll you're saying is after this commercial break, we'll move from the ridiculous to the sublime. Yes, indeed. Fair. We'll be back. Now it's time for the dirty word of the week. The word that sounds dirty, but really isn't. Fanny blower. It is actually what fans were called in the 19th century. Fanny blower. 
That was the Dirty Word of the Week brought to you by Tony Masaccio, AssuredWindowCleaning.com. Keep your mind out of the gutter. We will clean it. Everybody knows Tony. Union Home Mortgage Foundation was designed to help equip families in our local communities with the tools and resources to achieve economic self-sufficiency. Union Home Mortgage participates in multiple donation drives and fundraisers annually because their partners prioritize helping others. They know it feels good to do good and encourage you to make a difference in your community today. Union Home Mortgage. It makes sense to finance your next home with a good neighbor. Call 866-808-7711. What separates Triv's Restaurant in Strongsville from everybody else? I'll tell you. Some restaurants you go to to eat the same thing over and over and over. But then there are restaurants like Triv's where you want to go there every single time and eat something different until you have eaten every single thing on the menu. Why? Because the food's delicious. And it has been for almost a quarter of a century. Triv's has amazing food, outstanding service, and an opportunity for you to have private dining, special events, Intimate occasions, you can enjoy a memorable fine dining experience in your own intimate, dedicated space. Visit Triv's in the heart of Strongsville. Call now for reservations. Dial 440-238-8830. That's 440-238-8830. Right back on the Seth Williams Show with Mike Thank Gisalka. you. Thank you. Uh, man. Thank you. That was a uh, hell of a Settle first uh, 25 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, i got to read this text to you. Uh, I'm ready to jump through the TV at Mike. Good. That's awesome stuff. Uh, how to Win Friends and Influence People. That's the name of uh, your next book coming out, right? Well, he didn't say it wasn't to hug me. Uh, no, I, I don't believe it was. Well, you know, <laughs> we'll see in a couple weeks. All right, we have a guest. We're yeah. going to switch things up a little bit. It's Halloween night. It's Browns night. I, look, I actually dressed up tonight. I wore like a button-down shirt. And, and my Browns the, sweatshirt. True. Very exciting. Very dapper, yes. Mike, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> two of a kind of beat a full house right here. Wow. <laughs> no wonder this table's so long between you two. All right. So pronounce your name for me. I've known you for 20 years. It's Mike. Mike. There you go. Just, <laughs> just by, it's not Mikey. It's no, it's, it's, it's Olszewski, and it's, it's, it's pronounced nothing like it's spelled. It's sort of like the Polish, uh, you know, revenge on, on, yeah, on, the, on the language. So. That last name is worth 237 points in double word Scrabble. Oh, you're telling me. <laughs> there you go. That's it. I wish. Yeah, that's, that's it. Well, now that we've run off everybody that was watching the show, okay. welcome, and we're happy to have you here. No, we didn't. Let's Everybody's start rebuilding. No, you guys uh, weren't kidding. You really locked the door. I was amazed by that. <laughs> I saw you trying to get out of here. Oh, well. <laughs> I apologize for that it got heated at the very beginning. I don't. But, you know, that's... Hey, that's, that's, you know, a, what they say. Make great radio. That's all you got to do. Just make great radio. There you go. So, I've known you, I think, since I was an intern. Yeah, a long time. At sure. WMMS. Yeah, sure. We worked at MMS together. And yeah. you were, what, promotions director then? Well, they gave me a bunch of different titles. You know, we were in a transition there. They were selling the company. So, they said, what jobs can you do? Okay, we're going to make you the news director. We're going to make you the promotions director. And then it was something else. I said, what? They and Bob Newman was the... Um, I love well, Bob. Yeah, he was the program director back then. He says, just come to me. I'll tell you what to do. And that okay was when they were going from, what, Nationwide? 
Yeah, nationwide to, uh, oh gosh, what was it, Clear Channel? No, J-Core. J-Core? Was yeah. It? Okay. J-Core, because then it was Clear Channel after that. Yeah, that wow. was it. So it was a weird time. It was so. a definitely weird time. I miss yeah. Bob. What's Bob up to? Do you know? Uh, he's doing quite well for himself. He's down south. Uh, last I heard, he was, uh, I, I saw a picture of him and another friend of mine, uh, Steve Sinton, uh, down south. Uh, there, he's doing quite well. Good. So good for him. Yeah, it's, but that's how long it's, I was literally set the Barbarian, an intern. Mm-hmm. Uh, working for the radio station when I met Mike. Oh, yeah. And you were just doing a little bit, like I said, a little bit of everything, and, but so cool. And you've done so much sense, and it's just, it's so exciting. Well, it's been fun, yeah. And, and sure. I've seen you since then a few times, but usually it's been at uh, Glarty Fest. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the whole thing. You know, Jan and I were writing these books because, you know, pop culture is sort of a weird thing, you know, and not only here in Cleveland, but just about anywhere. I mean, it's there when you want it. It's like a, it's like a water tap. It's there when you want it. You figure you turn it off, it'll be there tomorrow. Well, it's not. Right. But pop culture has such a huge impact on all of our lives that uh, Jan and I would got to know a lot of these people over the years, as, you know, you guys have. And we thought, you know what, we got to preserve these stories. And it was the stories that tell it, because there's, there's a brilliant writer in town, one of several in town, my, my dad. Carlo Wolf is a great writer. And I remember he told me once, I, I, I wrote a book about, about FM radio, and it was for an academic press, which means it had to read like a textbook yeah. for accuracy. So I thought that's the way I wrote books. And I, we wrote a book. I submitted it to Carlo, and he said, you know what? Don't take this the wrong way, but you're a better storyteller than you are a writer. Write the way you tell a story. In five minutes, that changed me right there because people want to hear the stories. It's the folklore. It's the lore that passes it on. Right. It's, it's important to know that Channel 5 went on the air in 1947 on this date. What's more important is how did they get it on the air? And, you know, what did they have to do? And, you know, just, you know, like it was almost like the Wright brothers. You know, is this thing going to fly or not? So yeah. that was the important thing. We wanted to preserve all these stories on a number of different levels. Well, I was going to say, you have a lot of books. I mean, Yeah, well, and we're sitting on a bunch of them, too, because COVID, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you can't promote the books, don't go out there. They're not going to publish them for you. You know, and people aren't going to go out and buy them either. So, uh, yeah, it, that was the important thing, you know, is preserving that part of our history. Here's something else to keep in mind, too. I mean, like, you know, fame is fleeting for just about everybody. I mean, you know, 20 years from now, the people that we hold as, you know, like heroes are going to be gone. I, I, was, I was packing up some stuff. My, you know, Jan and I are moving to Florida. I was packing some stuff up. I'm looking at some of the autographs and stuff, people I met. Red Skelton, Milton Berle, people like that. You know, yeah, tell that to kids today. Who are Ooh, these people? Yeah, right. You know, right. who are these people? And the people that, you know, we love today are, you know, 20 years from now, just because it's the nature of pop culture. They're going to be forgotten. Yeah. So what we wanted to do was just to preserve the impact that these people had on all of our lives. Well, I'll give you a, an example of what you're talking about. I was in a store, and a little kid mm-hmm. walks by, and on his T-shirt it said, just give me the iPad and no one gets hurt. Oh. Now, the fact that somebody thought millions of kids would wear that shirt or parents yeah. would buy them, it says a lot. Yeah. But let's go back to when you and I, our parents were kids, mm-hmm. and... Talk a little bit about what you know about Cleveland television children's programming and well, all the people that that launched. Yeah, sure. I'll tell you what. We don't have uh, – I, I can't give you a lot of details right now, but uh, Dan O'Shannon, who okay. you, know, you know Dan. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, actually the um, executive producer for Newhart and Cheers and Modern Family and things like that back in Cleveland. And uh, once again, like all of us, a great fan of Cleveland popular culture. And here's – let me just give you a little hint here. Uh, it's because of Dan that something very significant happened the to the family of Captain and Penny. Here, so what happened was, uh, in all the years, we all remember Ron Penfound. He was on from 
1954, I believe, until uh, September 4, 1971. Wow. And every time he was on, he would end his show with, you could fool some of the people some of the time, some of the people some all the time, but you can't, you can't fool, fool mom. mom. She's pretty nice. She's pretty smart. You do what mom <laughs> says, you won't go far wrong. There was no recording of that because they were all live shows. Wow. Now, think about that. You've got like almost 20 years of the, one of the most famous sayings in Cleveland, in Cleveland history, really, right. overall. And he was out on the West Coast, and uh, a guy comes up to him at a party, and he says, Hey, you're from Cleveland. He says, You know, I, I got a tape. My dad was on the, the uh, 1 o'clock club, which was, you know, the precursor yeah. of, you know, a lot of other talk shows and stuff. But he said he was on the 1 o'clock club in 1962, and... You know, uh, he wanted to see a tape of it. They didn't have videotape, but what they did have was audio tape, and they gave him a tape, but it's very slow. It was a logger tape at 1 and 7, 8 speed with eight hours of programming for Channel 5. On that was the whole program of Captain Penny along with the 1 o'clock. So you were able to hear that, and, you know, that that, uh, outcue, I guess you could call it. But the great thing was Ron Penfound died, lung cancer, 1974, died young. His grandchildren were born in the early 90s. They knew their grandfather was somebody big because they live in Columbus. They, they, he was somebody big on TV, but that's all they knew. Right. When they heard his voice so many years later, all of a sudden it comes back to him. You know, this is our grandfather with the way he signed off his show. And it, it was just that, that, that great moment there. Well, Dan and I got to work on a documentary, and we're, there's going to be more about this coming out. But uh, we started digging into just the background of so many of our kid show hosts and things like that. Right. And we were able to find some remarkable footage, and it's going to be on TV, and it's going to be a a one-hour documentary. Uh, That's all I'm really going to say about it right now. Okay. But let me just say this. When you see it, and if you were a fan of kid shows in Cleveland, your jaw will drop. You're going to stand up and applaud at home when you see this on TV because some of the stuff, Jan did some great research on the book and that we also used for the uh, documentary. But Dan, you know, just digging around, uh, and now he's retired. He's got the time to dig around. Well, keep us posted <laughs> as we get closer and closer, oh, yeah, and yeah. we'll keep plugging I'm in here. I'm sure Dan will be here with you, you know, to talk about it. But, but that, that was the thing, you know, like, here's, here's a great, another great um, point, like Goulardi. Yeah. Sadly, the people that remember Goulardi are fading away, you know, because yeah. he left right, here in 1966, right. you know, the end of 66. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, his impact, you know, it's huge. I, I was talking once to Jimmy Zero of the Dead Boys. And Jimmy said one of the few places where punk took off in the United States was Cleveland. Right. Because Goulardi showed them that anarchy could be entertainment. And I thought, what a great way to put that. You know, just, hey, let's just, you know, have some fun. Who cares what anybody else says? Uh, Another great example. When we put out the book uh, from from Captain Penny to Superhost about the kid shows, Marty Sullivan was still around. And, uh, you know, we interviewed Marty, and we said, you know, there's this comic convention coming to Akron. And you still dress up in the suit and stuff, and he was already in his late 80s. We said, why don't you come up here, you know, meet some people. He said, nobody's going to remember me. Nobody's going to remember me. I'll come up, but nobody's going to remember right. me. So he comes up. I picked him up at the hotel. <laughs> He's got his, his super host outfit on. We're going to do some TV. He's got the, you know, the. he said, nobody's going to remember me. I said, well, we'll see, won't we? So we go downtown. From the moment we got out of the car, in the dark, at 7.30, people are running up to him on the street. They wow. recognized him. And then, you know, uh, we went to Channel 3. He was not on Channel 3. We did, you know, the Channel 3 live at Lakeside Show. Yeah. You got people that got into TV because of him lined up just to shake his hand to say hello. Wow. So then he says, well, that's great. These are the old TV guys. Nobody's going to remember me. What, what are you doing a comic convention for? 
for two days, the line went out the door to meet Superhost. Wow. And even he was overwhelmed. But that just shows you the impact that these yeah. people have on and that a lot of people just coming forward to say, thank you for entertaining me. And thank you for you know making being a part of my life and helping to guide me. That's also a testament to, to Cleveland. And I, Cleveland just loves their own. And they, you know, almost to a fault sometimes. You uh, know what? Very they, true. They really do love their own. I yeah. spent almost 30 years as a traveling stand-up sure. comic, and every city, and especially places like L.A. and Vegas, mm -hmm. for media and stuff like that, so many behind-the-scenes people, tech, camera, makeup, everything, are, well, I'm from Cleveland, or I'm from there, I'm from the mm -hmm. Northeast Ohio, like, not only did they learn and hatch a bunch of stuff, but then everybody went everywhere and got hired. Well, that's it, yeah. Well, you know, here's a great example, too. Do you remember uh, the, the show How I Met Your Mother? Yeah. What, it was based on a guy, supposedly from Cleveland. Yeah. You know, and uh, his friend comes up from Cleveland. They're living in New York. The guy comes in, punches him a few times in the arm, and he says, you get Big Chuck and Little John up here? <laughs> what does that mean to anybody except somebody except, in Cleveland? Yeah, right. So that's the great thing. But, but you brought up a great thing, uh, Seth. You have a good point. We intend to embrace our heroes. Yes. You know, we hang on to our heroes. I just called one out tonight, and I apologize for that. But, <laughs> yeah, I, we do. I mean, that's what yeah. Cleveland kind of, you know. They really do love, I mean, Triv, perfect example. I mean, Triv was Mr. Cleveland when it came down to, you know. And we've talked about this radio. before, too, about Northeast Ohio being special. Philanthropically, because mm -hmm. we were talking about coats for kids. Oh, Statistically, yeah. from this a town. giving standpoint, Northeast Ohio is far outstrips New York, L.A., Miami, Chicago. Yeah. There, there is something about, and I've said before on stage and just from all my travels, if there is an America being practiced like we like to hope and think it is, mm -hmm. it's here in the Midwest. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, know? And, and as far as a hotbed for pop culture, too, because let's face it, I mean, Detroit had a lot more groups that came out of there, you know, a lot more popular people, you know, as far as the music industry, L.A., New York, like that. However, and we may have not have had a lot of rock stars that came out of here, but Cleveland bought more records. We bought more books. Yeah. We were a lot more in tune with popular culture than our parts of the country. Barry Gordy. Uh, at the very first Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, I, they sent me up there to uh, to cover it. And I remember I went up to Barry Gordy and I said, uh, do you remember much about Cleveland from Motown? He says, yeah, here's what I remember about Cleveland. He said, when we started Motown, we knew that everybody, all their neighbors would come out and cheer on the groups that we had because they were from, you know, the neighborhood. Right. But if they wanted to make it, they had to be big in Cleveland. If they didn't make it in Cleveland, they came back to Detroit and yeah. we worked on them. And MMS was like one of the perfect examples. I mean, they yeah. broke bands like... Springsteen, everybody right. who yeah. they played, right? Aerosmith yeah. and stuff like that. They had huge, you know, followings because of, of Cleveland yeah. and that radio station. Well, you know what? We had some in the fifties. It was WERE and Bill Randall. Right. Bill Randall, the most important disc jockey in in America yeah. at the time. He he could play the Mormon Tabernacle Choir followed by Elvis and make them both hits, and he <laughs> yeah. did. And then in the 60s, you had Wixie 1260, yeah. you know, and KYW and a lot of great radio. But you had, you know, people like that. And then once you get into the MMS era and the FM era, boy, I'll tell you, you know, we had it down so well. I'm not going to say anything about consolidation, things like that. It's when we had local owners that understood what was Absolutely. going locally. Right. right I'll yeah. say it. Uh, but before we do, um, rattle off some of your books and where people can get your books, and we'll get back to the story. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, we started out a long time ago. Uh, the first book I did on myself was uh, by myself. It was called Radio Days. Uh, stories from Front and Cleveland's FM Air Wars. That was an opus. That was a lot of pages. That was yeah. like 450 pages. I remember, when, what year did that book come out? 93. 93, 93 yeah. So uh, it came out, and, you know, that was with an academic press. You're going to pay a little bit more, but 
it's you know it, it's covers it pretty well. Uh, they did take 600 pages out of it. That's not an exaggeration. Wow. The original manuscript is over a thousand pages. Wow. Uh, then Man. you know we got into more like uh, well Jan and I did uh, Cleveland TV Tales one and two, Cleveland Radio Tales, Smoky Swinney, <laughs> Rowdy and Loud, which is. It's not a description of the authors. It's you know more about the audience. <laughs> audience, yeah, yeah. There you go. And I mean th- things like that. We and of course from Captain Penny, a super host. We've got a couple more coming out. But you can always get them on Amazon and uh, you know the the online things. My suggestion is this: support your local bookstores. We got some great local bookstores, and these are people that love books. Yeah. And I mean, there's the tiny bookstores like Hudson has to learn it all, and you've got Fireside and Chagrin Falls, and you've got books a million and things like that all over the place. Just go out and support I, local bookstores. I'm going to echo that. Don't go online. Don't push buttons. Don't have things yeah. delivered to your house the next day. Go to a bookstore this shop holiday shopping sure. season. Hold a book. Look at the yeah. cover art flip through the credits and all that other stuff mm-hmm. and walk over to the local artist's table at a place like Barnes & Noble yeah. and look at all six volumes of what you still have in print that sure. you want to just pick them all up and take them home. And, and I'm going to take the other side a little bit because that's what we do here. Um, go to Amazon too. Well, yeah, sure, I but. like getting stuff in the mail and I think it's exciting when you can order something online like your books and get something in the mail and I look it, forward you, to that. You can't beat the convenience. It can't that's beat the true, convenience. My daughter, if it wasn't for Amazon, forget about it. She would own nothing because that's what <laughs> they you know, do. You bring up a great point. We gave Christmas gifts to uh, you know to, to our family, and uh, two girls. One's eight, the other one's fourteen, and they said they're going to go uh, shopping together. So they got out their laptops. That's how they go shopping. Yeah, you know. And <laughs> when, when you say yeah. you're going, you used to get dressed up and go downtown. You know? I have been in grocery stores and overheard people come in and ask anybody wearing a uniform, "Do you have cheese?" Oh. <laughs> See, what am I- and then the next question is, where is it? Yeah. Because nobody knows what to do with a cart or all those aisles and can't read the signs hanging from the rafters. Yeah, right. One of my favorite things to do during the holiday season back in the day was go downtown to Tower City and mm-hmm. yeah. you'd get the talking Christmas tree there and you have a little, everything, like... Higby's and you had like the they had a restaurant oh, yeah. Higby's from you know Silver Grill Silver Grill yeah, and, Silver Grill, and yeah. do the uh, have the window decorated it was such a great time to go downtown now you go downtown you're going to get mugged you're going to get asked for like twelve cigarettes and you're, you're going to be lucky if you can find a store that's you're able to shop in because most of them are ridiculous yeah. and you're not going to find a good Christmas gift that's just the way downtown is, is, well, is going I miss May Company and and you know being able to Dillard's, walk down Euclid and have a good yeah. time. Now I saw. Have you been downtown recently? Uh, maybe a few weeks ago. Yeah, because somebody said that it they put empty, like a really. fake park in t- inside Tower City. Is I heard true? about that. I haven't seen it. I haven't been down there because I'm afraid to go. Well, but I have seen like there was a drawing of it. I thought. Do you remember when we were there? When yeah. you and I were there, and when we first moved in, when MMS first moved into Tower City, and that was 1993, we were just fascinated by those dancing fountains. Oh yeah, yeah. Love but the thing was, we thought there's something in the water here because we're constantly running to the John. Well, guess why? <laughs> we're watching the water all the time. <laughs> there you go. That was it. That's finally. I think it was one of the custodians said, "No, don't look at the fountain." Then you know that'll. Yeah, sure enough, we stopped doing it. There you Didn't go. have to go. We saw actually somebody who was on. Well, I don't because we're not on like the phones that we have now, but they were looking at a phone, right? One of these smartphone things. Oh no! But she literally tripped and walked right into the fountain, like <laughs> fell over that little cushing thing that they have, and right into it. Uh, a lot of fun at Tower City. We used to play a game. Sorry, off topic, but fun at Tower City. Yeah. And so I'm uh, sorry if I offend anybody, but yeah. we played a game called What's on Seth's Ass. Oh, what? And so because the windows for MMS overlooked Tower City. 
the mall. Uh-huh. And so we would write on my butt, like in Sharpie, like a keyword. And then people would have to go down inside the mall and read the word from my butt from the mall. And it'd win prizes. It was fantastic. Oh, my God. A lot of good times. And you got to stand in the studio with your cheek pressed up against the window with your pants down. Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) You know what? This is great. Amazing. Tower City was fun. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's funny because the radio station did overlook Tower City. But the thing was, used to see celebrities there all the time because they were at the Ritz. I remember we saw uh, Michael Jordan, Rod Stewart, and they'd always have, you know, a bunch of security people around them. Right. But I remember one, well, twice, I was looking down over, and it was before the, the mall had opened. Once I saw Quentin Crisp, who's pretty tough not to spot because, you know, he's very flamboyant and all that sort of <laughs> thing. But I'm looking, I said, what the heck is that guy doing on there? He's a big, tall guy with a little ponytail and a leather jacket. And his wife, very small, like blue hair. I said, who? oh, my gosh, it can't be. So I ran down, and I thought, I'm going to try to get him on the air. It was George Martin, the Beatles producer. Whoa. Wow. And the weird thing was, I said, Mr. Martin, and he turns around and looks at me and says, hi, my name, blah, 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 and I'm going on and on and all that. And, you know, and, and his wife's got a smile from ear to ear. Look, my husband's being recognized. You know, I said, with, with the radio station, would you come up? And he says, well, nobody's supposed to know I'm here. I'm here for the Capitol Records thing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all that. But uh, So we talked for a few minutes. We talked a little bit about the Beatles anthology that was coming out and how right. he said it really shouldn't be because you know, that stuff was meant to sit in a vault. And then I remember I said, well, I just wanted to say, you know, it's great to have you here in Cleveland and say hello. And he says, well, thank you. And hello. Just like that. <laughs> just the way, and, But, you know, his wife hey. was just so delighted. Look, my husband's being recognized. Being recognized yeah. But that was the way it was back it then. Was. You know, I was Cleveland actually, was like a hub. I was on an escalator and uh, coming down to go get food because, man, it cost me like $8 billion to work there because right. they had yeah. a food court and then right. you had to pay to park. And it was just a nightmare. Sure. Uh, but Mark Price was like right in front of me. And I think it was after he left the Cavs or something. Oh, okay. And so, like, he was just on the escalator. Hey, Mr. Price. <laughs> like, but, yeah. yeah, you would see celebrities walking around all the time over there. Well, that was it. I remember we sat down once in the food court. And who sat down next to us? I was with uh, one of Jan's friends because she had stopped by to get some tickets or something. <laughs> Ed McMahon sits down next to us. Wow. And the thing was, the great thing was nobody's bothering him. Yeah. He was just sitting at this big, long table eating because he was in town for classic television or something. But it was wonderful. But that's the kind of thing. Cleveland really loves celebrities. Cleveland loves being the hub, but we respect them and give them space at the same time. Absolutely. You know? See, I, I don't understand why I've never made it in, into any of your books. I, mean, I just don't get it. Like, I did great things when I worked for that radio station. I, I think you were ass. actually in radio days and you were part of the I, I believe, 600 pages. I believe not, so. Not joking. I, I'm serious. I was... There was one time when, like, we had, it was, I can't remember what the day was, but the Renaissance is over there, too. Mm-hmm. And so there was, you know, concert in town or something like that but i decided i was going to go get a room at the renaissance and just so happened a guy brought a big sheep from a petting zoo and so i said i'm going to try to get a room with the sheep at the, at the renaissance <laughs> so i walk over i got the sheep it's huge sheep wool everywhere yeah and i got it on a rope and i dragged this big sheep into the renaissance and i'm like yeah, i'd like to get a room please uh, just for me and my girl and the sheep started peeing Right in the lobby. Oh boy! Of the the Renaissance. Yeah, now, if you ever you see a sheep, go, man. This thing was going for a while, right? Yeah. And there was no cleanup on aisle two. I mean, this took an army of people to come clean oh, this. Oh boy! And then they, of course, they kicked me out of the Renaissance. But it was fun with the sheep. We did so many offensive, horrible things on well, some of the shows. You guys, the two of you working inside radio. Yeah. I, as a uh, traveling comic, used to be on the morning zoo sure. or the afternoon drive to promote sure. the show in a different city every week. But radio was still radio. Yeah. 
almost overnight, we went from being able to walk in there and having cold pizza on the table mm -hmm. and evidence from the party, from the overnight, and posters on the wall and stuff like that. And then you walked in one week, and everybody but you was in a suit and tie. Yeah. Yeah, that's that exactly the way it was. was. a big change was in the country. It, it just changed everything. You know, I, I recall once we were... Uh, it, 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 my shift went from when I, I would work ten weeks in the morning, yeah. you know, because Flash was on vacation. He had a lot of vacation, <laughs> but, <laughs> which I didn't mind. Right, you know, right. But the thing was, my shift was technically from ten to six thirty. Okay. Yeah. Well, you always got in there early because there's always food, and you want to see somebody in there. Right. So one day I come in, and sitting in the uh, in a little coffee room there at the Sattler office tower, was a guy named Chris Whitley, who was a brilliant guitarist, and he's playing this steel guitar and stuff. Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart, the wrestler, nice. and Bobby the Brain Heenan. <laughs> and they're all having a conversation. And they're greeting everybody. Hi, how you doing? Bobby yeah. just said, let me make some coffee. How do you make coffee? Or else they'd bring, you know, 20 pizzas or something like that. Right. But the great thing was, that was like saying, hey, you know, we're just like you guys. We're here to promote something. But, you know, let's have some fun at the same time. Uh, I don't know if that still exists. No, it doesn't. I don't think it does. No. Things are so different well, now. I mean, I've been gone since February, but things are so different uh, from when I even started as an intern. Yeah. Just the, the amount of fun and what you could do. Sure. Here's the other thing so I'll different. say, though. It can't be as good as it was because everything we're talking about in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, you got away with because nobody was carrying a camera. Yeah. You could say things. You could do things. And get away with everything because you weren't under. But well, you got a lot more options now too. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I was I was at Kent once, and I'm standing with another uh, prof there, and we see three girls, and they're walking side by side, and they're all on the phone. Yeah. And we thought they're talking to each other because that's the only way they know how to communicate. You know. But I mean, as soon as they put computers and handheld computers, things changed. Everything. But I don't think it's just that though. I think that it's also. People are just offended by everything. And now if you say something offensive, it doesn't matter whether it's one person complaining or 100 people complaining, you get canceled. You can't do the same things now mm. that you could but back then. But that's because if three people post something on this, then everybody goes, well, we're going to have to course, cover it because people are talking. No, you, they're not. You it's get just offended on their phone. People get offended by something. Yeah. I mean, we, we did a thing, and we're going to talk about Superman sure. at some point today, but we did a thing on uh, at Public Square there. Mm -hmm. Right. We did the Superman 500 where we had people show up who wanted to win, and we put them all in Superman capes mm -hmm. and then stuck them in wheelchairs because Christopher Reeve had just fallen off the horse and gotten oh, gosh, paralyzed. Man. And we had people race around yeah. Public Square and called it the Superman 500. Wow. And it was extremely offensive. Yeah. You've tried to do that today. I, we might get blocked right now for even talking about it on some of these social media sites. You try to do something like that, you're canceled. You're going to be fired in an hour. Listen, it's I, worse I, than that. Some idiot made up this law. If someone texts you in all capital letters, they are yelling at you. Oh, yeah. You don't hear with your eyes. <laughs> you know, that's and a great point. everybody in the country went, okay, I'm being yelled at. And then they developed complexes because they got yelled at. I was in the news business where we Jesus. always did things in capital letters because it was just easier to read. Yes. To read from out here. Yes, absolutely. That was exactly it. So, you know, at the same time, though, Seth, here's the thing. You have extremes. You know, you have that extreme on, you know, on traditional media, right. I think. But then you have the other extreme. Uh, the, it, there's something for anything. If you want something, it's out there. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. You know, right. so you can always visit a lot of those you sites. Do you options. don't want to know what they are, but whew, uh, there's something for everybody out there. I'll tell you that. You're right. Yeah. I, recently, an amputee would be shocked what you see on some of those sites. But anyways, yeah. yeah. So 
What's your favorite era of radio? Was it the Flash days, Jeff and Flash stuff, or what? You know what? First of all, and I have great respect for that that's that uh, team there because I, I remember when I started at MMS, I got to work with people like Dia and Kid Leo and Jeff and Flash and Matt the Cat and people like that, yep. and I thought, wow, yeah. these are the guys that have been around a long time. Yeah. And you know what? It was wonderful where they just. Open up their their hands and say, "Hey, welcome! You're part of us." You know, it's, it's like that, like the scene in Freaks where you're saying, "Gaba Gooba, right. one of us." You know, and not that extreme, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it, it was like you know, he became a family. My favorite era, uh, and you know, it, the '60s were a wonderful time for top forty radio because that's all we had. But there was great competition. He had some great jocks. My favorite era was probably progressive rock radio from about 1968 to about 1973 where you could play yeah. whatever you wanted yeah. and he had these jocks like doc nemo and ginger sutton and people like that and these guys that were out doing it for the art of radio jim ladd oh jim ladd of course the great jim ladd i was in la i left cleveland in 73 didn't come back till 95 yeah. i grew up with him on the west coast and yeah. he's just well and there's and every city had them in fact one of the great ones from new york was scott muni and scott was from akron and so many of these guys had roots in Cleveland. Uh, it was, yeah. You know, like they, they came out of before. Cleveland and just expanded. But, I mean, uh, you had some just some wonderful, and, you know, Alice and Steele, the Nightbird, people like that. It was the creativity. And the thing was, you listened to what the jocks were saying as much as you were to the creativity of the, uh, of the records. Uh, my, my favorite uh, example of this, you could listen to, uh, say, like Billy Bass or Martin Perlick or something, and they would segue from any number of styles of music. You might have... Woody Herman and the Thundering Herd going into Led Zeppelin, going into a jazz piece or something by Muskorsky, going into Buffy St. Marie, this <laughs> Indian, and it all worked. Yeah. It just flowed. Yeah. And it was like this stream of consciousness. So I think that, you know, just stimulating the audience that way, but I'll say this at the same time. You have talk radio, and that stimulates the audience. You know, instead right. of music, they're using words. Right. So, and that's what you guys are doing. So, I mean, you know, like that's, that's the kind of response you get. I like it when radio is interactive. It's not wallpaper. That, and that was, that's kind of like the goal of this show for, that we started out doing because mm -hmm. you know, we wanted to do a podcast, but we want to do a podcast where it's more interactive. Oh, yeah. That's why I like reading messages sure. from the Wolf Creek Media Message right. Line right. or taking calls on the Charlie's Auto Repair Hotline mm -hmm. or phone lines because I like to... I wanted to do a podcast that was more interactive with an audience rather than us just sitting there talking to each other and talking yeah. down to people sure. and rather talk with people like we we'd always exactly. say. And so that's the goal of this show. Um well, let, let I, me point out one thing, too. Yeah. Early on, early on, I mean, keep in mind the guys like Betty Corvin and Flash and Matt the Cat and Kid Leo and all those guys came out of college radio, okay? And that was when college radio was like free form, no spots, anything like that, completely free form, and they developed this creative sense. Um, I remember even when I was at MMS, they said, all right, look, and we'd have meetings every week, and they'd say, listen to college radio. What are they playing? And how are they presenting it? Right. Because we know what the competition's doing. We want to hear what the other people are doing. And these are the people that don't have any rules on them. And, you know, quite honestly, I was introduced to a lot of new music that way. And, uh, you know, some of that later became, I guess you could call it mainstream. But, you know, that's the whole thing. It's having options, you know, and having when you could have five rock stations and five right. country stations and, you know, three or yeah. four talk stations where you don't have those options right now. One of my favorite hosts ever on MMS, and I ended up becoming great friends with him was Len Boom Boomberg. Oh, he had the voice of a god. Yeah. And he was just an amazing guy. And I remember when I they, they put me in to work with him one Sunday morning because he was doing the Sunday mornings. Yeah. And I walked in and I was just petrified because this is a guy that 
just a legend on that radio station. And there's just stupid set sitting there going, what do I do? And I was terrified and pulling music for him. And, yeah. And one day, we're sitting there, I was running his board. Uh-huh. And, it's, you know, this is towards when music started, they started playing, like, the newer crap junk music that oh, was yeah. out. And Boom looked at the sheet, and he got the song, name of the song wrong. And I was like, Boom, no, that's not not right. He right. messed up the song title. And he goes, what the F? And he started just swearing like you can't believe. He was yeah. throwing stuff at me. He was just old school radio guy. Yeah. and In his bib overalls. <laughs> yes. And then we got, it's funny. Yeah, he did. And he got, we got a call and the guy goes, you know, you're still on the air. I forgot to turn <laughs> oh. off the mics. And uh. I'm now sweating like a pig, worse than I am usually. And he was so upset. And we turned off the mics that Monday morning. I had to go in and Spaceman Scott was sitting there. And he goes, we're going to have to let you go. And Boom's sitting there, and I just start crying. I'm, like, tearing up. And Boom, and that voice just goes, quit yanking his effing chain. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was fine. And nobody got fired. Right. And nothing. The guy dropped, like, five F-bombs and three S-bombs on a Sunday morning while people were sitting, getting out of church. Church, right. And yeah. everything was okay. But that's how things have changed in radio. You know, the thing about Boom was he was, he was a very imposing-looking guy, too. I mean, because, you know, you know, I mean, let's face it. In his later years, he had haircuts and stuff like that. But he used to have, like, you know, big, big, you know, beard. big beard and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and he used to have a T-shirt that I've got a picture of. It said WMS 100% BS. But, yeah. you, know, and, you know, he had it made. But anyway... I remember they, they somebody came out with these banks, and they were buzzard banks. Well, first of all, the buzzard is a corporate logo. It's copyrighted. Right. You know, and, and everybody can't just jump on top of this stuff. So they came out with these banks. They were actually pretty well done, and the banks and lamps and all that sort of thing. I had a lamp. I had one of the lamps. Yeah. Well, a guy calls up, and he says, hey, listen, we're doing these banks, and uh, we thought maybe we could market them through MMS. And Boom says, really? Yeah, bring them on down. You know, he says, how many you got? He says, well, I got about 20 or 30 of them right now. He says, bring them all. Bring, don't bring forget them. me. Bring them all down. He says, and bring the, bring the cash, too. Well, I take a look at it. He said, sure. Well, Boom was acting as sort of like, you know, a semi-promotion director. So the guy lines them up. All, and Boom says, can I have one of these? And he said, sure. He puts it in the back room. Boom comes out with a baseball bat and smashes everyone right in front of him. And then he points the bat at him, and he says, Next time, it's you. <laughs> and the guy was like, you know, horrified. Well, the funny thing was about that was Dan Pecchio, the bass player for Glass Harp, and Michael Stanley, people like that, yeah. good guy. But he said when they first met Boom, because of, you know, the hair and all that, yeah. and he had those eyes that went back and forth like the Felix the Cat Clock, you know? <laughs> and he had that booming voice. You know, I, I can't even get that low. Yeah. He said he, they were scared of him. You know, this uh, disc jockey says, you guys are great. <laughs> okay. You know. The greatest thing about that man, though, he was. He was intimidating. But I got to a point where we became friends. And, sure. you know, the same thing kind of happened with Triv. But, you know, eventually I ended up going out to breakfast with him at Tommy's and Coventry wow. and mm-hmm. at a little place on, on Mayfield Road. And we had breakfast, and he ended up buying, like, uh, stuff for my, my baby was born. Molly was born like the week that he passed away. Oh gosh! And yeah. so, well, I remember you at the. Yeah, I went the to the service, funeral yeah. and the services, and yeah. and it was funny because then his daughter came up to me, got in touch with me just after you know everything after he had passed, and said that he had gotten you a bunch of presents for your your daughter. Yeah. And I just I, I cried because I was like, sure. you know, this legend. He was at my wedding, my first wedding, and then he bought stuff for for my baby and. For such an intimidating guy, he was such a, a good...
good person. Yeah, it's yeah. nice when big people but it's another are nice example people. Of, oh, yeah. It's another example of how radio treated him, though. When he was yeah. gone, they just got rid of everything about that guy. And I've seen it happen even to... Too know, many times. To yeah. yeah. People that are legends, all of a sudden, once you're gone, they just... Forget about which yeah. is just another reason, you know, to preserve this kind of popular culture. Because Absolutely. you know, like I say, twenty years from now, who's going to remember a lot of these people? Dorothy Foldheim was around for what forty some years yeah. on yeah. TV. I yeah. mean, she was you know the legend. She was you know a, you know she was on network TV and everything. Ask young people they, they don't know who she is. No. They have no idea who no. Captain Penny is, Dorothy Foldheim, any of those people. But they had such a profound impact on so many people. We thought that impact should be preserved. We got a That's message on the Wolf Creek Media message line from Jay. Any stories about Lanigan? Lots of stories about Lanigan. Yeah, he was the Iron Man of Cleveland Radio. There were, in my eyes, there were three people that could not be fired. Okay. Dorothy Foldheim, yeah. Dick Goddard, John Lanigan. Yeah. <laughs> because the next day they'd be at another radio station or right. TV station or something. Yeah. Yeah, Lanigan started out. Uh, you know, um, I did a book about Lanigan with Pete Jettick. And uh, who's a fine, fine writer. And uh, basically, you know, we were talking to Lanigan, and he was disappointed by his career. He wanted to be a stand-up comic. That was what he wanted really? to do. And he always felt disappointed. What, what do you mean you're disappointed? I mean, you were the biggest thing at Cleveland Radio. I mean, you took on everybody. You know, it didn't matter. He would take you on. And, uh, if he, and if he liked you, you were his best friend. Right. You know, and you could benefit greatly from that. But the, the thing about Lanigan was he just thought, you know, when he was off the air, he was a completely different person. Very quiet, very reserved. Mm -hmm. and all. But when he was on the air, click, there was that switch. Yeah, I remember my one quick story about Lanigan. So at the iHeart Studio Clear Channel back then, mm -hmm. I think was, but the studio's in Independence. Uh, There's one main bathroom in the hall. Mm -hmm. And so I walked down. I was doing mornings at the time before they found another morning show on MMS. Mm -hmm. And I walked into the bathroom and... I went to go do my business, and Lanigan is standing next to me. Uh -huh. And I'm like, hey, John, how you doing? Nothing. Not one response. I'm like, John, hey, nothing. So I went over, washed my hands, I leave. I went back on the air, and I said, screw this Lanigan guy. <laughs> oh, jeez. I said, I said hello to him twice in the bathroom. The guy didn't even say hello. Uh -huh. And so I'm doing just railing on Lanigan. Right. Yeah. Next thing you know, management comes screaming down the oh, hall. You boy. can't talk that way about Lanigan. Yeah. I was like, what? Why not? He's just a guy, and but that, so I, he made me come down to the studio, to his studio, uh -huh. while we were in music, and tell the story why I was going after him, and he apologized and said, "Look, you look like you fell out of a tackle box because I had piercings," <laughs> and he's like, "I didn't know what to do," and I was like, "All right, I mean, it was cool, but yeah. he was cool with me after yeah. that." Well, you know, that's the other thing about Lanigan too. Was like. Uh, one thing I, I did want to mention, when you went up to the WMJI studios, this is after they, they had moved to Independence, he had his own coffee pot. Yeah. There was a coffee pot for everybody's, but don't touch <laughs> John's, you know, because he had to have, yeah, I don't know, maybe it was a special blend or whatever it was. But, hey, that guy was bringing in huge revenue. You know, I mean, he was that big. Uh, right. So, Did you hear how he ended up leaving the station finally? Which one? So, uh, TAM or MJI? TAM. Uh-huh. So he was doing a show called The Spew. With You're right. Triv. Sure. And so they would go back and forth on topics from 9 to 10. They would mm -hmm. just, yeah, have one topic, and they'd start yelling. Kind of like we do at the beginning where we're just yelling at each other yeah. about politics, whatever. And Triv just knew how to push his buttons. I mean, oh, really? Triv would just really just let him have it to the point where, you know, Lanigan would get so mad. Really? Oh, God. And so finally, in the middle of the show, uh -huh. Lanigan goes, that's it. I've had enough. I want to thank everybody for listening. 
I'm officially over. Yeah. And in the middle of the show, he just walked out. It, is. it was over. <laughs> it was done. And he never went back on the air after that. I don't think he's been back in Cleveland because he has a house in Colorado yeah. and one in Florida. Yeah. Wow. And he just goes back and forth. He's got family in Colorado and, you know, he loves Florida and stuff. But, yeah, he... Um, I don't think he's coming back. He wasn't having any of that. But yeah. Again, I mean, for the most part, except for not saying hi to me, it turns out I think he had a hearing problem. That's why he didn't hear me when I was, when I was wow. saying hello to him. He, he might have. You know, the funny thing was, he was out in Colorado, and he was a young you know, broadcaster. He had just come up, and he was in Denver. Now, this is a big city. Yep. It was a big market. And he was, at, uh, he was at a station where a guy named Joe Finan was the uh, program director. Now, Joe Finan was a huge name in Cleveland during the 50s until the payola scandals. And basically, they got uh, Joe uh, Joe Finer and says, "Hey, this is the way people do business." And they wanted him to, you know, to rat out people. He said, "No, I'm not going to." He said, "That's just the way it is," you know. So he was persona non grata for about you know seven or eight years in Cleveland. At any rate, Finan's out there. Finan liked to have a drink, so he told uh, Lanigan, "He says, all right, look, here's what you're going to do. You're going to have a show tonight, but we want you to make it sound like it's from a club. So we're going to have some people in the background. You're going to sound effects and all that sort of thing." So. Joe's at the bar across the street listening, doesn't like what he, what he hears. Comes over, and he tells Lanigan, go sit down. He does the show, and every once in a while he'll turn around and say, now, do you see the way I did that? Do you see the way I segged all this stuff here? He said, that's what you should be doing. He says, good. He said, now, you should be writing this stuff down. So at the end of the show, he goes to Lanigan. He said, did you learn something here? He said, yeah. He says, here's something else. You're fired. <laughs> he fired him. So he comes to Cleveland. Lanigan ends up in Cleveland. So does Finan. Wow. <laughs> wow. And <laughs> Finan did quite well, but he, Lanigan actually had great respect for Joe Finan. So, I mean, hey, the guy fired me, but, you know, he says that even after, you know, they got back together in Cleveland, he said, I really did learn a lot from you, Joe. So. I follow a lot of those guys, you know, that were so great in town. I mean, mm-hmm. Jeff Kinsbach is now, he's got, a, I think, an RV, and he tours the country. Yeah, with sure. His, his wife and stuff. Sure. And, which seems very cool. Jim Mantell, another guy. I think he bought an RV. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the time where I can quit this podcast, get an RV, and go and tour the country. Tour the country. Well, you can move into a mobile home right now. You're happily there. How's <laughs> yeah. that? I can't afford that either. Yeah, well, no, nobody can. Uh, we nobody do have can. to take a quick break. We can right. stick around for a few, can't you? Sure. Where can people get the books again? And uh, you know, a couple of the titles? Local bookstores, uh, you know, Amazon, things like that. Uh, Cleveland TV Tales. Smoky, Sweaty, Rowdy, and Loud, all by Gray and Publishing. Just uh, go in there and you know look for Radio Tales, all those. All right, fantastic. And all this information will be on the website. There you go. So Yes, and people can listen all week long, which is, right. is good. Perfect. You Thank can you give guys. us a call if you'd like, 216-435-5249, and hit 713 when the phone picks up. Or you can uh, send us a – that's brought to you by Charlie's Auto Repair. Or you can uh, give us a message on the message line brought to you by Wolf Creek Media. We'll be right back. Trust Joe's Lakewood Computer at 14035 Madison in Lakewood. They have over 30 years of professional service, handling laptop and desktop repair services, virus removal, data migration. You can trust them with hardware updates to your computer's memory and hard drive. Call 216-651-3880. Whether you need a simple Windows reinstall or you're interested in the latest in computers or gaming, call Joe's Lakewood Computer at 216-651-3880. Aaron T. and Signs has become your complete one-stop sign shop. Call Jimmy at 216-299-9344. Their friendly and professional staff can and will help you design and build your company brand and identity from start to finish. One-stop means you get the complete package from one location, custom logo designs, vehicle graphics, banners, t-shirts, storefront marquees, and so much more. Aaron T. and Signs, 4883 Turney Road, 216-299-9344. All right, back on the Seth Williams Show with Mike Jusalka. 
And we continue on. Uh, Mike, I want to talk to you about our uh, the Howard days. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Because Howard was a, I was a huge Howard guy back mm-hmm. in the day. I think he's changed too much for my taste now. He used to be kind of like the rebel anti-establishment kind of guy, and now he is part of the elite who, you know, used to rip on people like Hillary Clinton. Now he has dinner with Hillary Clinton. Um, so uh, forget about politics aside. He's, right, right, he's right. changed from what I, I liked as a radio um, person. But Howard, and it was the coolest thing. I waited outside for like two days in a cardboard box in a snowstorm to mm-hmm. Howard yeah. back in the day. And you found the video yeah. <laughs> of me actually getting an autograph from Howard I was 19 years old. Yeah. How did you even how'd you get that video? It was the weirdest thing because, you know, when you're starting to pare down, you know, to, Jan and I are going to be moving to Florida. And we thought, we got to get rid I got boxes of broadcast beta tape, you know, from when I was on TV. So I said, I'm not going to take all this. You can just dub it onto a hard drive, you know, right. which is kind of weird because your whole career fits on a thumb drive now, you know. Yeah. But at any rate, <clears throat> I, I said, oh, look, here's Howard Stern in Cleveland. And we had a brilliant um, reporter named Wally Griffith. His dad was uh, Fred Griffith. Yeah. And he covered yeah, yeah. yeah he covered yeah. Howard that weekend. And it was the funniest thing because I'm looking at this thing. I said, oh, gosh, I remember. Yeah, there used to be a Barnes & Noble out there in April. What? That's Seth. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, as it's dubbing off, that's in real time. I said, so I, I was just sitting there saying, there he is again, you know. So I said, well, I got to get this tape to you. And that was like the coolest thing ever. I, like, I, and I look like just a jackass. I mean, I still do kind of, but I mean. You look exactly the same. You don't look like you a jackass. Changed. You know, you, I you got a different. beard now. I think I look a little bit. I hope it. Well, but for look everybody fine. listening at home, think about that moment. What happens if tomorrow somebody comes to you and hands you a piece of video of something you were doing when you were 19? How old are you now? 46. All right, so 25 years ago, here's a picture of doing something. That was 1993, yeah? Yeah. Wow. beyond That was like a surprise. Well, you know, but that who knows what else is in there, too. I mean, you know, you're looking through these old tapes. And the greatest thing was, and this is another reason, Cleveland Television has very little history on, on record. When I went to Channel 5, when, I was doing the, when Jan and I were doing the book about Cleveland TV Tales, Jan was working during the day. They were going to let me into their archives. The archives were a file cabinet, a metal file cabinet, under a wet pipe. And this guy, Dale Kirk, and I spent most of the afternoon peeling pictures apart. Wow. I mean, that, and they had two 90-minute tapes of their 50-some years on TV, yeah. just the highlights. Well, I'm not saying you got to keep everything, but you know what? There was a huge fire in 1968 out in Los Angeles. We lost so many great old films and negatives and things like that yes. that will never be recovered. Okay, There was another fire a few years ago with audio recordings of Billie Holiday and alternate takes and songs that were never released and things like that. And all these famous people, even Michael Stanley had stuff out there that was lost. we got to protect this kind of stuff. There was an old TV network called the Dumont TV Network. Yes, Dumont was a TV network that was meant to sell Dumont TVs. Back in the early yeah. 50s. They had all these wonderful stars, all these great shows. They couldn't go up against, you know, they, they, did, they didn't have the business acumen to stay up against, you know, NBC and CBS and things like that. So all these old films and kinescopes of the old programs were in a warehouse. 1970, they needed the warehouse space. They just dumped it in the East River in New York. <sighs> when you think of this amazing... Now, here's the yeah. other thing, though. When we do find something like this, it's such a major discovery. Here's a good example. They found the oldest known recording of a human voice. It was a few years ago. What do you I think, think it was? That. What do you think it was? Well, I mean, you, you probably... Come here, Watson, I need you? Uh, no, believe it or not. And a lot of people thought 
it was that, or they thought it was. Um, there was actually a recording of Thomas Edison, you know, singing "Mary had a little Mary lamb." Had a little lamb. She tied it to the heater, and every time it turned around, it burned itself. No, it wasn't oh, that. Oh come on! No. no, this was. Believe it or not, there there was this artist that found out, and this is during the 1850s. Oh, the 1850s. This artist would have these pieces of paper that were heavily smoked. Right. He put a heavy soot on there, and he found out. He says, "Hey, you know." When you're talking to this tube, it makes funny little lines. So everybody has, it's like a vocal fingerprint. I think I remember this, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that. what happened was somebody said, wait a minute. You know what? And he, there's, and he preserved these strips over the years. They said, wait a minute. He might have recorded voices. Guess what he did? And it's somebody singing Claire de Lune. And when you listen to this, and it's on YouTube, just go to oldest, oldest Known Human Recording. It's almost like a ghost singing from beyond the grave. Wow. Now, here's the thing. He thought, well, wouldn't it be great to have famous people do this? He wanted to get Lincoln to do it. Now, oh. think of a, a, if all of a sudden Lincoln's voice appeared here. Was you know? right, yeah. Think, uh, so that's the, the thing. You know, we've lost so much of the stuff that we should be recording. So over the years, I just kept rolling tape. Not, I'm not saying that I'm preserving history. It's stuff that I liked. But tens of thousands of air checks later, not an exaggeration, all of a sudden, I'm just thinking this is the greatest thing that can happen, you know, in a future where you're going to be able to hear a Captain Penny say that. One other thing I wanted to bring up is I met up with a guy, nice guy, smart guy. He lives out in Euclid, and uh, he had a hobby. He loved de- seeing the way stories developed on television. Right. From 1982 till probably just recently, he taped every Cleveland newscast. Whoa. It's on VHS. You go to his house, there are boxes stacked to the ceiling everywhere. I mean, there's just, and, you know, it, it was just a hobby. And he, would, and he would log stuff. It was just a hobby that he had. But the point is, he captured Cleveland history for 40-some yeah. years yeah. that the TV stations don't, don't have. have. So, you know, and he told me, he said, hey, if you can dub this stuff off, you can have it. And I started dubbing it off. And, you know, wow. that's in real time. He's got 40-some years. It would take 40-some 40 40 years, years. Unless you had two machines. That'd take 20. Think about this. You've got this wonderful history. We have to preserve our popular culture. That's the whole yeah. thing. And it's I mean, so like, much easier to do it now, though, than it was. Oh, much. I mean, I, I, yeah. yeah. Like you said, I mean, I can only imagine the stuff that I was a part of that you just lost because there wasn't really a good way to do it or you had it on little cassette tapes or whatever. Yeah. Or and even back in the day, reel to reel, and you have to splice and cut oh, it yeah. and put it back I did together. That and, times. I, yeah. I remember I used to work at. W-E-R-E, which was like the cheapest radio station you can work for. I they, beg to differ. Oh, well, they used to have a thing, uh, <laughs> a, a magazine called Radio and Records. And if you were looking for somebody, you could put a free ad in there, send your tapes to. Yeah. They weren't going to hire anybody. They needed the tape. Yeah. That was not a joke. So these tapes would come in, and every few weeks, well, we need tape, so we'll just put an ad in there. So people would send in tape. So it's like asking for the charity. And then people would call, hey, about that job, oh, we filled it. You know. Wow. So anyway, what happened was they used to have these things called logger tapes. I mentioned one and seven eighth speed, yeah. which is very slow. And you could on two, it would be twelve hours on one side, twelve on the other, or six on one side, six on the other. Right. At any rate, I remember I was doing, uh, I was working at WERE, and People Magazine had done uh, a thing about the astronauts, and Krista McAuliffe was going up, and she was going up, you know, like, and I could tell you exactly when I did this interview, six months, one day before the Challenger went up. Because I was talking to her, and I said, you know what John Glenn once said? I, you know, just a little feature thing, you know, to promote People Magazine, obviously. I said, John Glenn once joked that you're sitting on top of $300 million worth of equipment put together by the lowest bidder. I said, do, do you feel, you know, are you nervous about it? She said, no, I feel perfectly safe. I feel wow. perfectly safe. 
And when that happened, I yeah. said, we've got to get that. It was six months, one day. Wow. Because they had just erased the tape the day before. Oh. So, but the thing is, when you've got stuff like that, you know, you've got to keep it, you got to preserve it. Yeah. And, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, too, you know, and it's ancient history, the Nixon tapes, who knows what was said there? Yep. You right. know, and the, the alleged, you know, whatever happened to, you know, to the erased parts, who knows what was said there? Because that's history. That's, yeah. you know, it's, it's an audio record of our history. See, we have to preserve that history. Sometimes destroying tapes is not a bad thing, though. I remember we did a, a bit one time on the radio. This is long enough, so I don't think there's any kind of, uh-huh. you know, you know the law. There's no, I can't get in trouble now, can I? Um, <laughs> but we did a bit. It was really offensive. And even for then, it was really offensive. Yeah. And we went through the entire, like, morning show just offending everybody to the point where <laughs> every sponsor that we had was calling and we're done. Yeah. We're pulling everything. And I was told, do you have that, that tape? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, bring it down here. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And next thing you know, there is a metal garbage can and a bunch of flames and a bunch of tape yeah. in it. <laughs> because well, you just wanted to get rid of that as quickly as humanly possible. Right. There's, there's yeah. a famous Gary D show like that. Where <clears throat> I can even imagine. the CBS radio network dumped him. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. That was pretty bad. So. I mean, but I miss having stuff around back then. I mean, now you can just take out a phone and you have everything forever you right. can find whatever oh, yeah. you want now sure but back then yeah he probably lost a lot of history just because there's there's some famous recording studios one was in uh, england was called olympic studios okay and they kept every tape that they ever did until they ran out of room and then just put it out in the trash so he had stuff by the yardbirds and the rolling stones and unreleased <sighs> stuff out on the curb uh, come and get it oh. you know uh it's there's it, it's uh it used to be that um comic strips you know, the comic strip artists, like, you know, Alex yeah. Raymond with Flash Gordon and stuff. Right. You wanted that? Did you like that strip? They'd send it off to you with an autograph. And I had a friend in Shaker Heights. His name was Ethan Robertson. Ethan was a collector of, of art. And he collected a lot of that stuff. And when he passed away, they put it up in a special auction that drew millions of dollars for stuff that they used to just give away. Wow. You there know, were 20, 25 years ago, there was a chain of stores and stuff like that where you could go and get single cells. Oh, yeah. Of uh, cartoons, comics, strip stuff like that, and you just buy it, take it home, and it was art, and I, then it disappeared. If you look for any of the Disney stuff now, you're paying fifty, a hundred thousand dollars for one yeah, cell, right? But the funniest thing was, I read a book where these uh, Disney animators with Snow White, what they used to do was they used to line up all the cells after they were done with them and go sliding on them and see who could slide the farthest, destroying all the cells, wow. destroying, not thinking there was Crazy. millions of dollars worth the cells, but they just well, you know, just make wasn't that long ago that up at the uh, studios in Independence before we moved out of there, before they moved out of there, um, that they opened up the closet door and inside were all kind of MMS albums. Oh, right, yeah. And they had cart, you know, carts that mm-hmm. were there that had either commercials on them or you know, little sweeps on them. Sure. And they said, anybody, just take what you want. I mean, I can only imagine the history that was in the even that closet. They didn't care. They were just giving stuff away. You know what? Back in the 1980s, early 1980s, they had the transmitter site which I think was in Independence, Seven Hills, I think, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, they had the transmitter site. Now, they used to store a lot of stuff out there. Now, first of all, nobody went out to a transmitter site. There was holes. It was like a Swiss cheese. There was a family <laughs> of raccoons living in the, you know, in the roof. And uh, then they had a PCB spill, which was a million dollars to clean it up because you had to take it to a special place. You wow. had a special Everybody. Yeah. And uh, a lot of that stuff just got destroyed. Fortunately, places like the Agora, 
taped a lot of the shows that were there. And I mean, when David Bowie was there with Iggy Pop, yep. he spent the whole night there remixing it because he knew MMS was an important station. Or U2 at the Agora a couple of times, yeah. you know, people, things like that. So that, that history is there, and that was preserved. But sadly, so much of the visual history, photographs are another one. Thank goodness for the Cleveland Public Library yes. and for the Michael Schwartz Library at CSU. Yeah. They've got the Cleveland Press photo, photograph collection there. Uh, what you know, and just you know, a million photographs, so that a hundred years from now, at least we'll have that record of it. Now, so. here's where I'm going to come out and say something that everybody listening is going to think I completely agree with, and if they close their eyes, they're going to think it's you talking. <laughs> I was a big fan of National Lampoon. Mm-hmm. There was a cartoon that ran from '71 to '75 called Vinny Shinblind, Not the Invisible Sex Maniac. Wow. <laughs> That was in National Lampoon. <laughs> right. Now, I dare you to find a, one of those strips that was in every month. It was hilarious, but because it might offend somebody today, it's not around. You would never have gotten away with what uh, today with National Lampoon. The famous cover. There, in fact, there was a great yes. documentary about National Buy Lampoon. Buy this magazine or we'll shoot this dog. Yeah, and they got a, a, they have a <laughs> pistol aimed at a dog's yeah. head, and the dog's looking at it. Uh, there was another one with Ted Kennedy. Where right after the uh, the, the Chappaquiddick thing, where there was a Volkswagen that said if Ted Kennedy was driving, driving a Volkswagen, Volkswagen, he'd be president today. Now, <laughs> as weird as it sounds, it's got to be 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. I am working on cruise ships, and I've gone to Florence to see Michelangelo's David. Okay. Got up 4 o'clock in the morning to take the first train in. I was number six in line. We go in. Spent some time in there, saw the statue, magnificent. Walk out, and there's a building just like the building that David is housed in, mm-hmm. or was at the time. I asked the tour guide, what's that building? And he said, oh, that's uh, all of Michelangelo's uh, pornographic art. The <laughs> government and the church don't <laughs> think that people should see that today. Really? And I looked at him back then, because I'm a comic, sure. and I said, oh, 14, 1500, no problem. I can look at it and nothing's going to happen. Yeah, right. It's 1980 something, I forget what year it was, <laughs> and it's going to do something to me. So we can't see all the statues that are in that building. He goes, Yeah, not yet. Yeah. Wow. There, there was a, a guy that uh, you brought up in the National Lampoon. Uh, Michael O'Donohue was evil incarnate. Most people just thought that this guy, you know, was, was Satan, really, because. When he was working for Saturday Night Live, he was in the very first episode of Saturday Night Live in 1975, and he's sitting there with Belushi, and he's uh, doing this, you know, this thing back and forth, and you know, he dies of a heart attack, and Belushi imitates him. You know, yeah. He was the guy that did the Mike Mike Douglas thing, where he says, you know, Mike Douglas is one of the nicest men on TV today. What would it be like if we stuck knitting needles in his eyes? You know, and this is on network TV, <laughs> right. and this guy was coming up with some truly, you know, bizarre stuff. When he was with National Lampoon, apparently it was the same thing. And he went up to uh, Maddie. I think his name was Maddie Simmons. Uh, was the and he went up to him and he said, "Hey, uh, my girlfriend here, Ann Bates. Uh, you know, she needs an office. You either give her an office or I'm walking." And he says, "But we don't have any office space." He said, "Find one." <laughs> and he said, "Look, you either do it or I'm walking." He says, "We don't have an office." They walked. He started national. Right, he started Saturday night. Wow. But the people that were with them still, they you know, it was whatever you could do to push the envelope. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you know the things. Even if O'Donoghue's thought was. Even if you're talking about it, it's publicity. There's yeah. no bad publicity. Now, let's forward this, excuse me, let's forward this to the 1980s. Truly one of the nicest men in the world is Larry Morrow. 
Larry Moore used to be on Wixie. Yep. I mean, you could, and I'm not saying, you could go up there and insult him and he'd say, you know, I don't agree with you. And he'd walk away. Larry's got a talk show on WERE. So we're sitting there and we hear, uh, well, today uh, on my show, we're going to have from the original Saturday Night Live, Michael O'Donohue. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm getting calls from people that worked at the station. What did I just hear? Was yeah, that, and yeah. <laughs> Sally Lewis was one of our engineers. She said, this has to stop. No, you have to stop. You can't lie. I said, well, you come in here and do it. We got to do it. So Larry comes in. We said, Larry, no, please, not Michael O'Donoghue, anybody but Michael O'Donoghue. He was, in fact, John Belushi said he was the reason, or rather, Gary Morris said he was the reason that he turned to cocaine because of Michael O'Donoghue, because he was just, you know, <laughs> and he got a terrible cocaine habit. So we thought this is going to be bad. Larry just said, don't worry. We'll be fine. Don't worry. I said, oh. So we're rolling tape on this because this is going to be history, too. Who knows what he's going to say? And there were some little edgy things that happened. He was promoting a movie called, like, I don't know what it was, Mondo Bizarro or something like that. Okay. Anyway, what happens is, and he's premiering it in, of all places, Beachwood. You know, the world <laughs> premieres in Beachwood. So we're sitting there, and it actually turned out to be okay. Okay. You know, he gets through this. So Larry walks in the newsroom. He says, Mike, come over here. Come over here. And I come in. He said, I go in the back room. I said, he says, Michael O, meet Michael O. And Michael O'Donoghue says, oh, Larry says very nice things about you. I said, whoo, thank goodness. So then they took a picture of the two of us, and I'm looking at this picture later on. This is Satan. I mean, he just turns into O'Donoghue on the picture. You know, it's like, oh. But it was the weirdest thing. The point is simply this. We are preserving history as best as we can with books, with audio, with video. we got to do more. And we should be doing more. What you said, Seth, is absolutely right. Digital is out there forever. You know, online is yeah. out there forever. That's the way it should be. I mean, we are tracing our evolution in so many ways, you know, as a society. Good just or bad. From our pop culture. Yeah. Good or bad, yeah. Yeah, you're right. All right so. Again, i still got a couple more questions, but where can people get the books and the, what are the books? Well, let's see. Uh, get, you you know, go to the website so here and they'll, they'll tell you. But uh, Cleveland TV Tales 1 and 2, Jan and I did uh, that one. Radio Tales, uh, Smoky Sweaty, Rowdy and Loud, uh, From Captain Penny to Superhost. Uh, which is uh, about uh, the Cleveland Kids show host. The way we did that one was kind of interesting, too, because what we did was we went to, like, Captain Penny's kids and said, write a chapter. What was it like to have Captain Penny as a dad? We went to Laura, uh, to uh, Barnaby's son. Right. He wrote, what was it like to have Barnaby for a dad? And then, uh, the, uh, believe it or not, she's still with us, sharp as a tack. Candy Lee Corn was seven years old, and she was a co-host on the Gene Carroll Uncle Jake show. Wow. And she still was. So she wrote about that. So that's the kind of angle we took with that was what was it like to be a kid working on yeah. a kid show host? But uh, you can go to Amazon and all the, the, all the online. Great publishing is uh, will be able to tell you. But I encourage people, go to the bookstores, you know, support local businesses, local businesses especially. Did, did Howard ruin local radio in this town? Well, I think the way how, I think Howard brought a level of creativity that, that, that brought a lot of attention. But at the same time, he showed that syndicated radio could work because prior to him, keep in mind, Rush Limbaugh was on WERE, was not getting an audience. Yeah. You know, I think Howard was the one that said, you can entertain and it doesn't have to be local. And, you know, the thing was, he, when he went into a town, you know, when, when, when they brought, his, brought him into a station, how are you going to cut this guy down? He cuts himself down more worse than anybody else. I think he took over for Triv at NCX when he did, when Howard came in. That's exactly what happened. And then know? he did the funeral for Jeff and Flash and because. It, kind of destroyed them in a way i mean well yeah well i mean they you know they were the first ones to go down unfortunately and that was in part because the station management told them don't respond to howard 
Now, who did respond to Howard? John Lanigan. I was going to say, I yeah. thought that he had some battles with Howard. And they went back and forth. You yeah. know, they went back and forth. And, um, you know, that I'll say this, though, about Stern. If you look at interviews with him, he has great respect for people that he went up against. You know, like he's not going to go up against somebody and say, this guy was nothing. You know, like he, he says nice things about a lot of different people that, you know, you thought that he truly hated. Right. You know, but there's other people he doesn't like. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Right. But there was, I mean, there, there was, he has great respect. Here's something kind of interesting about that funeral when it happened here. They wanted Jeff Kinsbach to walk out and congratulate him. Oh, really? Yeah. And wow. uh, they called him up and they said, you know, it's going to look good for you if you come out and say, hey, Howard, nice job. Kinsbach said no. But, uh, I mean. I, mean, I could understand why, but at the same I, I time, feel like bad press is good press, too. Right? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Kind of helps it. And he was cost. off MMS by that time. Oh, really? I, I didn't know so, that. yeah, they, they already had, you know, the, the new people came in because they left in April and Howard came in in June. Who came in after Jeff and Flash? Uh, it was actually, uh, well, you know what? It was Ross Britton, a guy out of New York who was really good. Spaceman Scott was with them. And they Spaceman. were like the interim there until Brian and Joe could come in. That's what I said. And, and they had like five or six shows in about three or four years. When I came on, I mean, I think after I started there as an intern, they had like, I was on like 12 different kinds of morning shows with wow. yeah. people in different incarnations of the same thing. It was, all, it was oh, weird. Gosh. Liz, Liz Wild, Wild, Dick Dale. Yeah. Dick Dale. Dick Dale was a strange guy. Wolf and Mulroney. Mulroney. Uh, actually, funny story about Mulroney and I. Mulroney, Wolf left. Mm -hmm. And Mulroney stuck around here. And we did the show in the morning for a little while mm -hmm. until they were going to end up replacing with whatever, I think Bob and Tom or something. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. Uh, but uh, Mulroney was just a good friend. He was a great guy, comedian. He did a lot of stuff. And him and I went to New York and interviewed to be on satellite radio on Howard's channels. Is that right? Yeah, we did like four shows on satellite, um, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were told that they liked it, but they wanted an offers, how much we wanted, blah, blah, blah. And we sent all that stuff over, and then they said, I don't know, Howard's going to do best of stuff. So they you know what? not no. doing it. But here, here was an interesting thing, and Mike, you know, uh, obviously, because you, you've worked with all these guys. The thing about the Buzzard Morning Zoo was you knew that it was, I'm just throwing this number, like 7.15, token jokes. Yeah. They were there every day at that time. Right. And there was, you know, there was that repetition that you could rely on that. Usually, it, it didn't matter what was happening with the show, just we got to be out by this time. You know, so we'll end it. You know, if you got a great comedian, great guest, just keep it going up to this point. Right. You know, because we, you know, we do expect that. However, Lanigan, if you were taken off, you took over the show. And Lanigan would sit there and he would be the, you know, just sit there and listen with you. And he would let you do whatever you needed because it was for the betterment of the show. There were two kinds of morning zoos and afternoon drives yeah. when I was making the circuit and trying to plug a show because the club would buy the time mm -hmm. and you were the guest. But you could almost tell what the chemistry was with the show and the city based on the reception you got because as mm -hmm. a comic, you came in and half of the shows played with you. And mm -hmm. I mean, with you back and forth, sure. and did like you said, if you got a, you're on a roll, let you go, and stuff like that. And then there were the other half that were bound and determined to prove to you that they were funnier than you were, mm -hmm. and that was hard to do because then the role was switched, and yeah. you gave them the deference, and so on and so forth. But the people that were the best and the easiest and stuff like that weren't threatened, and yeah. they were so much fun to work with. Let, let me also point out that MMS and MGI. 
even though they had two different ways of doing the morning shows, both were incredibly successful. Yeah. So the, each one yeah. found success with what they were doing. You know, it's whatever. Cleveland is. You ask any touring comic, Cleveland is one of the best cities to play live because oh yeah you go to new york you go to la you go to chicago they sit there and it's like okay you mm-hmm. think you're funny make me laugh in cleveland if a couple is gonna take the time to get dressed drive downtown pay it buy a ticket and come see a show they're there to laugh mm-hmm. they're there to have a good time so there isn't that gulf you gotta cross before you get to be family, and they're funny and, and supportive from joke one. And, and you heard that so many times from so many comedians, as you know, just the people you worked with, they're all saying, Cleveland's the place. Well, oh, it was the same thing with rock music. you got to make it in Cleveland. You know, yes. if you can make it in Cleveland, and how many of these guys come out and say, Cleveland's where we made it, or Cleveland's where we knew we had something going, yeah. and, you know, things like that. And now yeah. you can't get a concert to come here to save your life. Everybody's going to Columbus or going to Cincinnati. Yeah. They're not coming to Cleveland. I know. And, I mean, and, you know. and what can you afford anymore? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you're looking at good grief. I think most of the people in the state, the problem is they think it costs $80 to park downtown. So they don't come down for well, dinner. They does. don't come down for eat. Well, a lot of places it does cost a yeah. lot. You and I what? don't understand that part at all. And then it's, Where does it's, that money it's go? It's a lot of money to go see a show. Well, and, and they're, they're putting on $10 such big shows. to get a ticket to a rock show yeah. Yeah. and see great bands. Right. You I, can I, go to. There's rock shows that like the Rubber Bowl and stuff, and you could go for twelve bucks. Right. Yeah. And now See you can't go bands. for right. any less than sixty bucks for a ticket. And who would have thought those at our age at this table and older? World mm-hmm. Series of Rock. Who would have thought that the number one drug of choice would be Coumadin? <laughs> <laughs> Sad but true. Sad but true. You know, and you know what? Wait a minute. You used to like you. You waited two days in a snowstorm in a cardboard box yeah. to go see Howard Stern. Yes. How many of us spent three days getting tickets to Zeppelin or Black yeah. Sabbath or Crosby, Stills, Nash? And now the band is still touring, and they'll come out and go, "Do you want some more music?" Oh. And everybody goes, "Well, no, it's nine thirty. You know what? And I, I, the has got the kids. Two famous. We'll examples. just go home now." <laughs> AARP sponsored the Beach Boys tour. Yeah. And then I remember once we went to the Kent stage, which is a wonderful venue. Yeah. And you're seeing all these amazing old bands that are still coming around. They're not playing, you know, like the, the huge places anymore, but right. Steve Stills, David Crosby, and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Spencer Davis was there. And he did a five o'clock matinee. And it was the greatest yeah. thing. And he even he came on. He said, "Okay, here's another song that sounds just like the record." Well, Steve Winwood was the vocalist back then. Yeah, and he was just great. And then afterwards, they're standing there at the door thanking everybody for coming. You know, that's the great thing about yeah. you know being from a lot of those acts yeah. like that, John Lodge and people like that from the Moody Blues. You couldn't get near them right. at their peak. Now. They're directing traffic to get out of the parking lot, you know, yeah. and they're just happy to do it. You know, just happy to say, look, you remember us. We got a message on the Wolf Creek Media message line. Yeah, concerts are so expensive now. And the other thing I don't like about some of these shows is that a guy like Springsteen, I love Springsteen's music. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially being working at the radio station at FMS, I mean, how do you not love Springsteen? I played it like every five minutes on that station. Right. Uh, but I don't want to go to a concert and see what we did in the first 10 minutes of the show. I don't want politics when I go see a concert. I don't need Springsteen to tell me who to vote for. I'm going to hear the music. I want to hear all the songs that I love and none of the garbage. That's not what I'm paying yeah, for. Yeah, but there were bands at the Lincoln-Douglas debates, for God's sake. I don't care That's if true. Pink Floyd Get over is getting it. high on the stage. That's they, fine They've always done that. I don't want to hear the politics John when Phillip I go see John Philip Sousa used to play patriotic music, and people get all, <laughs> all right. wound up. So. <laughs> you know 
<laughs> You'll be okay. No, I won't. I'm, I'm not, you are. I'm not going to a concert to see that kind of junk. I want to see the music. And I think a lot of the, the shows and stuff that happen now, there's too much talking. Play the music. That's mm-hmm. all I want to hear. Well, I one of the all-time great political comments I ever heard was, uh, and it was af- actually actually after, I think it was Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. And they had this big televised concert. It was like a telethon. But everybody's on this thing. Right. You know, they got Paul McCartney and all these people. Springsteen's playing all this. And the Stones are there. Okay, now the Stones are on tour. They get one day, then two days off, one day, then two days, days off. And they had to play it there. And they said, well, look, you know, if you don't show, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to look good for you guys. So Jagger comes out and says, yeah, next time we get a little rain, we'll have you over for us, you know. <laughs> wow. Take it. Oh, man. Well, I mean, you know, that's the thing, though. Uh, another thing is look at the books that came out about a lot of these rock groups. Keith Richards writes A Life, yeah. which if you ever get a chance, read this book. It's all-time great. Keith Richards comes off as completely different than you think he is. Yeah. You know, he's the most rational one probably out of all right. the stones. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, and the funny thing was right after that, Jagger's on Saturday Night Live, and he's there with Mike Myers. And Myers is playing Jagger, and Jagger is playing Keith Richards. And Keith, he's going on and on about, we can't have street fighting, man. You know, if there's no, there's no police, it's friggin' chaos. You know, which these were all quotes right? from, from Keith Richards. And the thing was, Keith Richards was really offended by that because he was quoting him, you know, to make him look bad, you know, out of context, I guess. But that, that's the thing. You know, we, we see some people on stage. We see people off stage. Where do you draw the line? You know, I mean, do we like them as personalities or just artists or what? You know, I mean, I guess that's what I I, I like is I don't want to see your your views on stuff. I'm not paying for that. I'm paying for the escape from reality. You know, I, I, same thing when it goes. And I know that I'm talking to people that probably don't agree with me here, but I would when I go to a football game. Yeah, I don't want to see you kneeling in protest. You can go protest on your own time. But when I'm spending 50 bucks to go watch a Browns game and mm-hmm. hope that you beat the Steelers, the last thing I want is your politics and your issues rubbed in my face. I want to have my beer. I want to have my hot dogs. And I want to see somebody throw a touchdown. And hopefully the Browns win. But you could take your kneeling garbage and go off and do it on your own time. Pick up Monday and go to Public Square and kneel all you want. And that's perfect. Not on Sunday afternoon in my that stadium. That is absolutely perfect. But here's what the for. problem is. Not what you're saying. But the fact that right now in this country, if the person is saying something political that you like, it's okay. You only hate, Wait, not you I personally. Never said anything I didn't say you. About, you know, I, I said want everybody. politics left out of it regardless Bingo. of their affiliation. All right. That means both sides have to give up. But I don't think the national anthem is a political statement. I think the national anthem is an anthem for our country and something that people should stand and respect. However, there is a Supreme so Court decision that says you do I, have the right to protest. I don't want that kind of thing. Not yeah, Protest all you want. Let's hope everybody not does. Not when I'm paying money for it. That's, well, here's the How do you stop it, though? Right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you can't say, look, you're not allowed to say this on stage, you know, whatever your views are. I mean, because then I'll say, well, that's, uh, there's freedom of speech. What are you talking about? Okay, you know? but we don't need to have that kind of stuff everywhere that we go. That all it does is create divide. Agreed. So then I have a right at that same concert. I think it does add to the divide. Yeah. yeah. If, I have that, if that's their right to go on stage and yell all the, the political stuff that they want, then I have a right who's paying for that concert to yell back at that guy true. and say what I want to say. Well, I that's completely true. So agree. it shouldn't yeah. be happening like that. that that's I agree. not what it's for. It's for an escape from, that rea- from the reality and the crap that we put up with. 
you know what? Now that weed is becoming so much more prevalent and more legal, maybe yeah, that was see. the thing that leveled people out. I in think the back. So. we don't know. Yeah, I we went to know. a Pink Floyd show in like '94, <laughs> and there was enough weed around there. I didn't think about anything right. that night exactly. other than what was being played they on that stage. Out, I can't believe you said that. The Coliseum yeah. in like 1981 or two, and said, "You know, there's a rumor going around that we're nothing but a drug-oriented band, and all we'd like to say to that is." Uh, we are nothing but a drug-oriented <laughs> right. band. We're gonna and they went into. No, I remember seeing the, the you know, mind you, we are, you're doing an outdoor concert at the Cleveland Municipal Stadium. Yeah, yeah. And all the photos you see back there are all hazy from all oh, the smoke. Yeah. Right. You know, it's and like everybody is just exhaling. You know, all everything. at once, eighty thousand people looked up and went, "Is that a pig?" Yeah. <laughs> we got a text on the uh, Wolf Creek Media message line. The 1990s was a great music scene too. I agree. I like that era, but that's what the era I'm from. Um, but I sat, funny story about that Pink Floyd show. Mm-hmm. I was going to go with my girlfriend's dad because I was still in high school. Uh-huh. And I had finals the next day, but whatever. And well, so I was standing no. in line waiting for to get these tickets. I had my, my money and my girlfriend's dad's money. And I was getting these tickets. And I was like two people away from the ticket booth. And they go, yeah, we're sold out. It's like, oh, no, we only have single tickets left. Yeah. And so I was like, all right. And I took his money. And I got my money, and I got ended up like fifth row. What for Pink Floyd? I had like gold circle seats. I got the seat cushion and everything. And after I got my one single ticket and spent my girlfriend's dad's money, oh. they announced the second show for, for Pink Floyd. <laughs> oh. and, but I still went. It was like the greatest time I ever had. Yeah, and it was fantastic. But like you said, it was just a cloud. It yeah. was a dome when we didn't have a dome of just smoke <laughs> over that stadium. <laughs> but it was well, amazing. You know, that, that's the thing. As we progress through, you know, look at the way society has moved. Every once in a while, somebody will post, here's pictures of the World Series of Rock, here's Journey, here's all these different people and stuff. And you're thinking, wow, talk about a, a slice of life, talk about a picture of, you know, like an era and stuff. But the thing was, we didn't do enough of that. You know, no, and I mean, didn't. like in film and things like that. You know, I think one of the, the great things I ever saw was they had uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash yeah. were on the afternoon exchange. Now, think about this. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And that was very strange, too, because pop culture goes into some weird places. And I'll bring up a thing about the morning exchange, too. But they had the three of them there. And, you know, they're having a conversation about Woodstock. And I remember they dropped a couple of uh, words that shouldn't be on TV. Right. You know, and they didn't get any you know, complaints or anything. But still, I'm thinking, wait a minute. These were, the, these were like, you know, like these, the, the Mount Rushmore of the counterculture here. There was another thing here. Now, this just shows you the way pop culture Forms it, you know, forms and, and the directions it takes. When the morning exchange was on, all authors came to Cleveland, and we had a huge book market because they'd be there to promote their book. We're going to be here signing and stuff. One day they had Albert Speer. Now, Albert Speer was the architect of the Third Reich. He was like number three to Hitler, and he was promoting a book. I mean, if anything happened, they were there to promote a book. Yeah. You know, if, if you could have shot the president, here's why I shot the president. Not endorsing that by any means. But, you know, I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, it was the craziest thing, the way pop culture was just driving everything. You know, yep. hey, I did this. It's controversial. Here's the book. But, I mean, it's, but when I saw Albert Speer yeah. was on, I said, wait a minute. This guy did 20 years after Nuremberg. And now he wrote a book, and he's, he's doing book signings? He's on a tour. But see, yeah. you, you show a pop culture has changed. Pop culture Woodstock back in the day yeah. was what it was a peace love kind of festival sure. yeah. all that kind of thing. Woodstock 99 oh. people were trying to murder each other yeah. lighting everything on fire and, and, yeah. and, and five dollar <laughs> bottles of water yeah, I, remember I remember that exactly. I watched a special yeah. the other night actually see it, that's where the left was like on Netflix or something that, yeah. about that Woodstock and it was just insane but how pop culture has changed from right. 
Uh, what it was and people just having a good time partying and everybody having sex in the mud and good stuff <laughs> to yep. people wanting to kill each other in a mosh pit I mean, it, it's definitely <laughs> well uh, but did the, 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 the music kind of just push that as well because it was a different kind of music too yeah. i mean it was like, like oh, more, yeah, I guess, you know. yeah but we've talked about this mike there yeah. is a project out there called the way the music died mm-hmm. because all of those songwriters all of that music all that inspiration find the cost of freedom ohio yeah and then all of a sudden we woke up one day and it was raining men yeah it's what well wait a minute that that's a great point and especially with the way you know music is distributed now it used to be that you got three albums and a contract to prove yourself yeah right okay now it's one album now you've got guys and this is i'm not saying anything bad about this you've got some guys who might put out two or three songs they distribute it with tiktok youtube or whatever they become multimillionaires. they have no body of work no. right no that's where the rock and roll hall of fame is going to be in real trouble 20 years yeah. from now trying, trying to, to find somebody that's out. got more than three songs exactly. to be a nominee yeah who's gonna go see Half of these people that are quote unquote pop stars when they're 74 yeah. and 80, like the Stones. Great point you brought up, too, because I think it was either New York or New York Times, one of those. They wrote, okay, well, Springsteen's going on tour. Yeah. What artists can still fill a stadium and will be able to continue to fill a stadium? That's a good question. Yes, yeah. it is. And they're saying that, you know, once these guys like Roger Waters, Roger Waters, Pink Floyd, he comes out and he says, look, I'm 80 years old. I'm not going to be doing this when I'm 85. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Mick Jagger also said he wasn't going to sing Satisfaction when he's 40, but, you know. <laughs> right. But, but at the they same time. They don't sing Time Is On My Side, though. They've cut that from yeah. the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> and a few others, thank goodness, too. But, you know, th- that's the, the thing. I mean, a lot of these guys are saying, this isn't going to continue. And let's face it, it's a money-driven industry. What do you do? Then what do you do? Yeah. You know? And with, with, with concerts going, you know, I, you know we're, nobody can afford a concert anymore. You know, really. God, I mean, it's on my salary. I can't. Nobody even wants yeah. to go to a I, concert. Right, they don't want to go to a baseball game because it takes two hours. Yeah, that's true, too. And I watched it. I've been to Zeppelin concerts that took four and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They played, the, they played. you know, the song remains the same. That, that show was four and a half hours long. You know what? That, that's at Springsteen. You know, you bring a bring a knapsack. You're going to be there for Right. You know, and but you're getting your money's worth. There's no question. The thing is, it's the people that are promoting these things, too. You know, because Springsteen came out, and I don't think he knew how much they were charging for some of the tickets. Maybe he did. Maybe I'm just being naive. But, I mean, some of these were $1,000 tickets. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I $1,000 goes—I'm I'm old school. That's still a whole lot of money to me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's like 12 months' salary for me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we got a text on the Wolf Creek Media text line. Uh, great guest tonight, Seth. Thanks. Oh, thank you. That's sure appreciate Jay. That. Fantastic. Thanks, Jay. And um, so, you know— Charlie's auto repair phone lines. You can still call. We're going to wrap things up in just a few. What do you think the future of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is? Because it is a lot different now, and now you don't see rock music anymore, or at least what I consider rock, rock music. music. Yeah. It is so different now. The scene has changed. I mean, are you going to see a Taylor Swift in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, it's you not know what? what we're looking at. I mean, you see rap groups and stuff in there, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I guess it's a form of. But are you going to see bands that we shouldn't? Think Look at Don Winter. Don Winter is really upset because I don't think he's with the board anymore, but he's promoting a book right now. And he mentioned he really took offense that Bruce Springsteen's attorney is being inducted. Well, the guy did kind of refine a lot of the money and made a lot of money for artists. Right. Are you going to go to a museum to see an exhibit with him? No. No. So, you know, and I, I mean, I, I, I tip my hat to people like Dolly Parton who said, I'm not a rock and roll guy. Or people like Miles Davis, they're in there. 
Miles Davis hated rock and roll. I mean, he liked Jimi Hendrix, he liked you know, Paul McCartney, but Louis Armstrong, people like that, they wanted nothing to do with rock and roll, but they're right. still in it. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with it. You know, and Jim Hankey, the late Jim Hankey, who was, you know, very instrumental in the early Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I remember we had a conversation. He came up to the station one day and he said, we should probably call it the Pop Music Hall of Fame. But does that have the same kind of hook as a Rock and Roll no, Hall of Fame? No. I'll tell you what, though. You want the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The real Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is at Tri-C downtown. It's the La Puma Center there. Yeah. You want to go in oh, there. That's, that's their archives. That's the, their way to keep their library. Oh, yeah. If you ever get a chance to go in there. Oh, my gosh. Cool. I mean, I went on a tour of that thing. They were handing me things, and I was like, thinking, you know, you got gloves and, you know, masks and stuff. I'm holding, you know, like Elvis's last playlist. I'm holding Janis Joplin's lyrics that she changed to Ball and Chain. He, he handed me, uh, Andy Leach is the curator. He handed me this thing. He says, look at this. It was a spiral-bound notebook from a fourth grader. Wow. Wow. It was Art Garfunkel's already wow. writing lyrics. That's crazy. That, and he said, that young. name an artist. Okay, John Lennon. Drawers. Boom. Open. Drawers opening. So, and that stuff is here in Cleveland. I mean, where's that? Uh, that's amazing. Can anybody go in there? Yeah. The library, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And if you look for something specific, they'll bring it out. Yeah, because my daughter has become like the biggest Elvis fan you could possibly. Oh, she'll have a feel there. Yeah. And so I'd love to take her to something like that. I mean, I love the Rock Hall. I right. think it's a great place. Yeah. I think, and I, I've been there numerous times, and my family loves it. Um, I've introduced shows there, but it, uh, I just wonder what the future is. I'll tell you what. Here's here's another thing about preserving pop culture. Uh, years ago, Jan and I did the book uh, "Smoky, Sweaty, Rowdy, and Loud," and we needed pictures of Elvis. Okay, well, you know, there's the usual Elvis pictures. There's the famous picture of him meeting Bill Haley at the uh, you know Brooklyn High School and stuff. Those have been done already. We found this guy that was a teenager. In the 1950s, now 1955, 56, something like that, all the Cleveland newspapers are on strike. All the photographers are on strike. Elvis is making a big concert at the Cleveland Arena. Now, this is a big venue for him. This, that was the big venue here. Uh, I mean, public hall is there, but, you know, the, the arena was there. RCA says, we got to have somebody pho photograph this thing. So they start, they called up Cleveland Heights High School, and they called their newspaper, and they said, you got a pho photographer? And they said, yeah. And they said, Tell you what, we'll pay your bus fare if you come down here. We'll give you a ticket if you take pictures. Kid comes down with his editor. It made, he, was, he was 15. He couldn't even drive. <laughs> he comes in there, takes all these amazing pictures of Elvis at the arena. Gave, you know, Prince to RCA. <sighs> threw him in a shoebox. Oh. So a few years later, a few years ago, really, he's, out, he's a professional photographer now. Forgot about the photos. They're sitting in his garage in a shoebox. And his nephew is out there. His name is Lou Allen. And he says, what are these? He says, Elvis. He says, oh, I took those pictures back in the 50s, Cleveland, blah, blah, blah. He contacts this publisher in England called Genesis Publications. Now, Genesis Publications puts out these archival books, beautiful paper, you know, manuscript paper, leather-bound and all that kind of stuff. All the rock artists do this, you know, and, this is like, and they'll only put out like maybe 500 of a book, something like that. And you'll pay three and $400 a piece for these books. They can't believe this. They said, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding. They put out a book, Elvis in Cleveland. So wow. the nice thing was we caught, contacted Lou Allen. We said, can we use one of these photos? He said, sure, you know, in our book. He said, but i got to check with the publisher. So he gets back. He says, the publisher says i got to get something for it. So I said, okay, well, what? Thinking he's going to charge five, 600 He says, give me 25 bucks for a bag of groceries. Great. <laughs> I saw Jan says, that's not enough. So we sent him you know, more. But here's the thing. There's stuff like that out there. I have a part-time gig. That sadly is coming to an end because we're moving, but I love the Akron Public Library. The Cleveland Library is terrific, too, but I've been working with the Akron Public Library, and I'm working with this librarian. Her name is Bobby Whitaker. She retired, 
And uh, just casually, she just mentioned, yeah, I was the official photographer for Devo. Wow. I saw her work. It's amazing. It's museum-quality stuff, you know. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. There's a Bobby Whitaker. There's a Lou Allen. There's all these other people, a George Shuba, Jana McCoska, Anastasia Pantios, all of those people. They got to preserve this, this part yeah. of our history, you know, and it's up to us to continue preserving it. And that's why we're doing these books. And that's why we're having the show. That's why we're having these Jan shows. This is actually a, a person I've talked to numerous times. We actually uh, help sell her calendar and stuff. Oh, Janet? And she does some great work. Yeah. They, you know, She's all of them. I mean, we are blessed with some amazing photographers yeah. in this town. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? They preserve so much history just beyond rock and roll, too. I mean, like, if you walk into our house, in fact, the people who were looking at our house when they bought it, as you walked in, there was uh, a series of photos, six photos, of the Anderson and Williamson buildings being uh, demolished, you know, just being imploded, you know, in a sequence yeah. that Janet took. And it's just terrific, you know. And they did that. I mean, they didn't just didn't do the rock and roll stuff. They did sports. They did all that other stuff. Yeah. I mean, people like George Shuba and Anastasia, you know, they took photos outside. Joe Cleon's another one. I mean, let's preserve that. Let's make sure their work continues, you know, that is preserved. Absolutely. That's it. And let's make sure that audio stuff like this and the shows and people like that. We will this show's be not a going conduit. Anywhere, well, I'll tell you that. Good. <laughs> good. This, this show will be a conduit for stuff like that. We hope. There you go. There you go. That's the way to do it. Mike, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. I really do appreciate Guys, it. Guys, I, I had such a great time. Thank you so much so for inviting me. People really can get all the books, Amazon, they can get them at the local bookstores. Yeah. Read off some of the titles again. People okay. want to know. Cleveland TV Tales, Radio Days. We've got uh, uh, Radio Tales. We had Smoky Sweaty, Rowdy a lot. And from Captain Penny, the super host, look for the documentary coming up on TV. You're going to love it. And I have actually uh, read a lot of Radio Days, which I find extremely amazing. amazing. It's a commitment. It's a big book. Keep, <laughs> it is a big book. Keep in touch as we get near the air day. It. You got it, brother. And we'll promo Mike that and I have too. some projects coming up, too. So you'll All do right, it. Just let us know. We'll get you on. But uh, All right. we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Wrap everything up. It's the Seth Williams Show with Mike Chiselka. On Halloween. Liquid Lifestyles offers premier swim lessons for kids, babies, competitive swimmers, adults, and triathletes. If a picture's worth a thousand words, go to liquidlifestyles.com and take a look at that picture. It's the first commercially approved shipping container swim school in the country. 975 Bassett Road, Suite D in Westlake. Call 440-517-SWIM. 440-517-7946. If I could dig down deep in my heart, feelings would flood on the page. Would it satisfy you? Would it slide on by you? Would you think the boy's insane? He's insane. I said, I know it's smoke and rock and roll, but I like it. I said, I know it's smoke and rock and roll, but I like it, like it, yes, I do. Award-winning flavor that melts in your mouth. Cater your next event. Smoke and rock and roll, 605 Clegg in Bay Village, 216-539-2239. Let me introduce you to Charlie's Auto Repair. Any car, any truck, any problem, Charlie's does it right. You know how it is. Check your engine light comes on, you put air in the tires, the light's still on. 216-470-0170. Charlie's Auto Repair, 13728 Madison in Lakewood. Charlie can do it all, from small engine repairs to fleet maintenance and system diagnostics. Winter's coming. Call Charlie's Auto Repair for snow plowing need. 216-470-0170. Let Charlie make your car great again. We display a Joe Burdick custom flag prominently on our set. Each flag is handcrafted to reflect the imperfect perfection, making each customized piece of patriotic wall art unique. 
This is a local small business, veteran-owned and proud. Joe Berta creates symbolic artwork that is built to last. Display your pride, spirit, and patriotism by calling 440-305-2065 and let Joe's flag serve you. 440-305-2065. Does your business or group order custom t-shirts? Tired of overpaying, waiting for quotes, or slow turnaround? Wolf Creek Media is a family-owned company with a simple upfront pricing that will save you time and money. With a 30-piece minimum order, you get a logo on a quality brand tee for $5.75 each. That's right, your one-color imprint on a quality Gildan tee for $5.75 each. Don't have a logo? No worries. Wolf Creek Media has an in-house designer to make it easy for you to get your brand out to the public. So if your business, group, event, or brand needs great tees at a great price, call Wolf Creek Media at 330-353-9695 or look them up on Facebook at Wolf Creek Media. Call 330-353-9695 today to get the best tees and hoodies for less. Dude, imagine how good you could look if you call Mario's Barbershop at 7526 Broadview Road. A great haircut at a great price. Guys, 17 bucks to look your best. Seniors only pay 15 Call 216-520-1977. Mario's is a first-rate barbershop with a big heart. Next month, they start a toy drive, so the Kentucky families that got flooded out might still give their kids a Christmas. Mario's Barbershop. Let a good man help you look your best. Wrapping everything up on this uh, Monday night, Halloween night. Thank you to everybody uh, checking it out. Uh, throughout the week, because we are going to be uh, pretty much everywhere. The podcasts are available. Uh, but you can check out all the shows on thesethwilliamsshow.com. Uh, website just launched, so we're going to be adding a lot of stuff to it. Cool. I think as time goes on, it's going to be very, very cool. You'll get a kick out of it, thesethwilliamsshow.com. Uh, we're also on the CMS Network app. So download that for your phone. Uh, a lot of cool stuff on there as well. The CMS Network app. Uh, I got to thank everybody real quick, and we'll get some Browns predictions in before we go. Uh, Troy's Restaurant in Strongsville. Thank you very much. Aaron Sign Company. You can get the stickers on um, the SethWilliamsShow.com. Uh, thank you to Aaron Sign Company for those. Union Home Mortgage. Joe's Computer Shop in Lakewood. Uh, Berta Custom Flags. You can see the flag behind me. Fantastic. Get one of those holidays coming up. Great gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie's Auto Repair. Uh, thank you for sponsoring the phone lines as well, yep. Charlie. Charlie's Auto Repair. AssuredWindowCleaning.com. Mario's Barbershop in Parma. I'll be visiting there again because the beard is growing out, and so is the hair, so we need to get that taken care of. Mario's Barbershop, great dude. Uh, Wolf Creek Media. Uh, the shirts are on the way. We are going to be getting shirts. They will be on the website I think you're really going to like them. A little homage to Triv as well. Yep. So I think you're going to enjoy those. The SethWilliamsShow.com, those will be on there in a little bit. Wolf Creek Media, thank you. And, of course, Tammy, friend of the show, thank you so much for everything you you do. Mm. Um, I think uh, we're going to wrap it up here in just a minute, but quickly, Browns. Yep, we'll do Browns predictions. Let me get this out of the way. We don't have time for the whole story, but every guest gets. And since you and Jan oh, wrote the great. book, there's one for each of you. Oh, terrific. Thank you. I lost, cool hats. Yeah. I lost about 60 pounds after getting out of the hospital after losing a leg because of the Because that's subway. all I could eat. Is that right? That's yep. all I ate. And oh, so, that's a, I'm going to try that. Jeez. Um, so, Browns predictions? Browns predictions. Should we? Yeah, real quick. What do you got? Uh, 31 28 Browns. <sighs> Want the Browns to win. Got a feeling it's going to go the other way. I'm 28 21. Yeah, I'm going to say 35 uh, 7. Ooh. Uh, Bengals. Yeah. That's a tough yeah, one. I think it's going to be a rough night. 
down by the lake. Hope I'm wrong. But, you know, you can make fun of me all week if I'm wrong. Cause, and know. like I said, if you're in a bad mood after the game, rewatch the show. Good point. And it'll have a happy ending. Excellent, excellent point. Thank Thanks, you Mike, for being here. Thank you for Thank being you here. Both. Really appreciate Appreciate it. it. Good times. And uh, God willing, we will talk to you next week as we ramp up the election talk. It's time to get. We're not going to go to blows, but no. we're going. You know, we're going to have some fun. It's election eve, and we'll get you inspired enough to go mark a and little we'll, yeah. X. Next Got a feeling it's going to be a loud show. Though. It's going to be loud, but we're yeah. going to have some special guests on as well. Yeah, so true. we're looking forward to that. Terrific. So election week is coming up. Thank you for joining us. Get out there and vote. Whatever you got to do. And uh, again, God willing, we will see you right here and next time. Have a good night. Good night. All the right words. Cold and unsaid It's a mystery to me How we never Found time to say them at all All the right words Were all that remained To keep us from breaking down Now you seem like a stranger